Oh, shit, he nearly did it. Do you know the, do you know the theme tune, Mofo? I've, 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 isn't it some... Oh, that's it, yeah. British Showman Podcast. So we have Mofo back by popular demand. Good evening, everybody. So, um, we're going to talk about some... Um, some uh, Give some more value to you guys and um, talk about rehab. What uh, are we talking about tonight? Because no one's told me yet. Well, well, well Shane's got um, a question for Shane's us. Shane's got a question. I don't, based on our previous conversation, Shane, about nice insertion points, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> right. I woke up to a story of Josh saying that Mofo's on the podcast. And I was like, all right, Josh has invited Mofo on the podcast. And then you, you'd got a story up saying you're on the podcast. And I was like, well, this is happening. <laughs> and then... Uh, Josh texts me like, can you just let me know uh, when you invite someone on the podcast next time? And I was like, well, you invited him on. <laughs> <laughs> so I've basically invited myself. This is one of those situations where, yeah, I've just... Yeah, well, I've also got that. <laughs> so our question to you was, <laughs> which one of us asked you on? Because we've both been wondering. Because I'm assuming someone did. Well, I saw an Instagram. Um, I think it was, was it your post, Josh? And you said about um, knees, I think we were talking, you were talking about. And I assumed from that, Mofo Body Mechanic was mentioned in the knee post. I assumed, and I, I messaged you, I DM'd you, Josh, and said, am I on? And you said, yeah, if you want to be. So it was Josh that invited me. Oh, fucking hell! You know what? I'll screenshot, Shane, I'll screenshot it for you. I'll show you the screenshot. I was confused. I said, I bet you it's you, Josh. And he no, I would have wrote it down. I said, it, wouldn't, it, it definitely wasn't me. I said, I was speaking to Mofo yesterday. And I said, I'll speak to you on Friday. And I said, then I wake up to this new news. <laughs> let, me, let me get the message up. <clears throat> um, no, we don't mind you here. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna name, I'm going to name and shame now. We've, we've had to cancel the <laughs> So on the 3rd of September... Uh, there was a post about knees and I said to Josh, are we doing another podcast? You fancy it, bud? Question mark. Yeah, love to. So a knee focused one. And he says, we'll put up a box on Instagram list of listeners. Awesome, mate. So I don't let him bullshit you, Shane. He invited me on there. <laughs> yeah, but what was the date? I don't know what the date was. I just assumed it was tonight. Fucking <laughs> 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 hell! Like, I'm gonna be like your third, the third wheel. Uh, the next. <laughs> that's, why, uh, that's why I was like, fucking, he's doing the jingle now as well. I was like, we're fucking up. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and I said, I said to Shane, so what, what time? What time's the podcast tonight? And then we both said, oh, we should ask fucking, we should ask you. As soon as you. <laughs> it's now the it's now the uh, the British mofo. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, so uh, sorry, listeners. We'll have to um, get Tom Martin on another night. Yeah, sorry, Tom. <laughs> sorry, Tom. <clears throat> no, we're only, we're only, we're only. We could do a four-way. We could get Tom on and do a four-way. Yeah. Sure yeah, yeah. That's quality. Oh, so, right. Anyway, now that we've tried fucking bollocks, we're doing. An, apparently, we know what we're talking about now. Because you just said you didn't know what you were talking about, and then you've told us what we're talking about as well. Knees. Knees. 
Well, that that was just based off the uh, off the thing that Josh put up on Instagram. Right, right. Wait, wait there. We'll, we'll come back to knees, right? What I want to what <laughs> I want to learn about. Serious note. Is it, this is this is that situation where we have a question that's like hypothetical based on Josh's current situ injury situation. No, 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 no. No, we've got we've. Got, I'm we've not got, injured, right? I've got, I've got a friend. I've got, I've got a friend who's got this hypothetical injury. Right, listen, this is going to be the structure tonight. So we're going to... Okay. So <laughs> what we're going to start with, we're going to start with um, uh, talk about your ebook and what you've been doing, because I want, I want to hear about that. Um, oh, bollocks, yeah, I've got that to do. And you can um, obviously promote that. Um, and then we'll, we'll do a little bit of a... We'll listen to you speak about knee, about the, the knee stuff. That'd be great. Um, and then we'll we'll have like a bit of a quick fire round with some of the questions that we've asked in. Cool. That have been asked in. All right. So, um, do you two want to want to talk about the ebook and what the details, please? Go on. The yeah, so it's not actually an ebook. I fucked the idea off. Well, I didn't. I had a, basically I got proper melted the other night. I was really stoned, and this idea came to me. Not idea, it was the ebook idea, but I was like, what a better way to deliver it was um, basically via True Coach. I really love True Coach, I think it's a great app, and I just think it's a way of making um, a, a programming system and e like an ebook style program that you can follow. But you know, it gets emailed to you every single day what you're going to do. The video attachments are really good because we were trying to add videos to the exercises and stuff on the ebook, but it's just a little, it's a little bit more hassle because you get the ebook up on your phone and you've got to click a link that takes you to YouTube and then watch it. It's just a little more fluid on True Coach, and I just, I just enjoy the app. So basically, hopefully next week, as long as Mofo gets this um, little bit of prep and stuff that we need to do uh, done on Friday, things that he's doing. Um, so it should be released on Monday, hopefully, which is basically, it'll be a £20 subscription fee per month, and you get access to a, I don't know, call it MST bot or something, I don't know, some other that. It's basically a programming system that you can follow for strong man, strong woman. Uh, it's mainly focused at those two sports, so not uh, powerlifting or weightlifting. So it's more focused on, you know, front carries, less emphasis on squat and, you know, just general good strongman programming with movement rotation. And what you'll get is basically, it's not an individual program, of course, but the way I've written it, it's two people could run it and it'd be completely different because I've basically given options on each day. So sometimes it's RPE based, sometimes you're adding load each set, sometimes it'll mention if you're feeling a little bit of fatigue you'll need you might need to pull back and obviously different people different lifestyles will make different options so they'll be able to go through the programming system but take different pathways to get to the same end result hopefully um now what it does is it just basically simplifies programming simplifies your weekly structure allows you to get proper events rotation in there gives you goals to hit i've put loads of motivational stuff in there there's loads of videos and what MoFo is adding to it, which is going to be amazing, is basically um, we're going to every four weeks put a prepping before the session, which is kind of like your, well, MoFo could talk more about what he's going to do, but you know, it's the thing that you'll do to get you ready for the session. And it'll also be like prehabby, rehabby style stuff that's going to increase your longevity and obviously increase your chance of recovery and completing the, the programming system. So every four weeks, those preps will change. 
And um, yeah, I think it's going to be just fucking awesome. I've, I've written so many training blocks over the years. I've got loads of gems and I've put like just all, all of them in this one package. It's going to be like a completely recurring programming system. So hopefully it's going to last years uh, and you'll never do the same thing twice. It's just going to be able to flow, make gains, etc. The only bad thing about it really is it's not feedback based or anything like that. It's just for someone who's confident to go in the gym but again, it's going to be £20 a month, you know what I mean? You can't be a biggest cut of choosers. You've got to get what you can get. And £20 for this is uh, what's worth make way more than that. It's amazing. It's going to be class. Amazing. So that's me doing my ramp, by the way. I'm just, learn, I'm just learning about this for the first time, Josh. So this, is, go, like, this, is, this is all news to me. I just told him to send me some preps. I've done everything else. I was like, you send me these videos and the rest is done. We had this... Uh, we had this like voice message conversation yesterday with Shane. I was driving back from Plymouth, uh, <laughs> and it was like, "All right, I've had this idea. Da, 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 this is what you want you to do." Da, 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 da. Uh, so tomorrow, I am going to spend the day recording uh, mobility activation drills for each of the four weeks blocks for each of the uh, lifts in the four, the movements in the four week blocks, um, and I'll get that over to Shane. I'm going to send him the first one to make sure it's uh, of a suitable standard and then just bash out the rest of the programming for the day. Yeah, it's just basically, the, the idea with the ebook is to was to make it more accessible for people to get, you know, high-end, good coaching, well, not coaching, but good programming and a good yeah. structure from them because trying to get people away from that train in the gym, chest day, back day, leg day, and then I do events on the weekend. Trying to get people to train as an athlete more, and the ebook was like a cheaper one-time purchase option for that. And that's what I wanted to do. But then I was just thinking to myself, like, I think True Coach is a better system to deliver programs through, uh, programming through. So I was like, why the hell don't I just stick it on there? And then it doesn't even have to be like, the ebook will be a six-week block or whatever, a 10-week block. Whereas this recurring programming system, if you wanted to run it for 10 weeks, you can. If you wanted to run it for two years, hopefully you'll be able to do that. Um, and again, it's going to be something that I think so many people can benefit from, from a cheap price. There's loads of people out there that can't afford a coach. Um, and I just think it's a perfect fit in the market, to be honest with you. And I'm going to put some of my, uh, the Gucci stuff in there, as opposed to the Instagram stuff, the stuff that, that nobody else sees apart from clients of ours. So there'll be some activation stuff. So if you've got knee problems, we'll put some stuff, that's the isometric stuff in there, elbow issues. So, yeah, should be good. I'm looking forward to the, uh, a day of filming tomorrow. So, uh, Mofo, can you give us an, ex can you give an, ex as an, exam an example of like a, like a session? Like, what, what will it be, like a 10-minute segment of a workout or something? Yeah, so essentially, I'm going I'm to program the warm-ups for each of the sessions. Brilliant. So, there'll be, yeah, I think, like we talked about in the last podcast, I think there's too many people spend a lot of unnecessary time um, doing untargeted mobility work. And I think what I'm just going to try and do is condense your mobility for that particular session, for that particular movement, down into about 10 to 15 minutes with some stuff in there just to, it's not just about getting movement better, it's about also activating things. Like the isometrics with you and your, your strongman comp. Um, yeah. We're also protecting tendons, protecting joints. So again, you should be able to progress then through the you know, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, how long it is you're going to follow the program for. 
Brilliant. He's stretching now, look. I am. I fucking, I'll, I'll, I've got him on camera. I'll do anything. <clears throat> I'm always training. I'm always ready. That's something you should know about me. <laughs> I'm always ready. Always ready. Like, yeah. a, like a cold spring. Uh, Joe Scott used to take piss on me all the time because uh, I used to go to like gold burrito with him in knee sleeves and all his shoes. I'm just like, I'm fucking ready, mate. Any moment I can take it. <laughs> So also as well, we we will um, announce the. So we've got like kind of a partnership agreement, haven't we? That we've uh, put in place about um, about. I was I was messaging you saying that I've always I've wanted something for a while that where I could actually passionately recommend my clients to in terms of like people are always getting niggles and injuries and stuff and like the I've, I've always struggled because i'm very skeptical and very analytical i suppose like i i haven't found like a basically an, an area local like someone locally that i think a few people are pretty good and have their merits but um just basically somebody with with like say a good say uh, say knowledge and style that 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 I like um but also also understands the lifting aspect and also like the not not just the physiology and the the actual practical uh, like say the physical implications of like re rehab programming and stuff yeah. Yeah. but actually the fucking psychological aspect which is it, is absolutely massive. Um, and like I've I've spoken to Shane about some of the stuff that we um, that we did last time. By the way, and I'll just I'll, I'll just um, explain explain what I've done since since the last podcast. Um, so so I I've struggled with my with my knees, like I said, for for, for all my life. I've just kind of accepted it really, um, and then I've started applying the the structure the the stuff that you said um in the last podcast um and, I, and i've i've applied it i've but i've put my own twist on it from speaking with shane i said to, uh, i said to shane my own twist on it was uh, with the isometrics like for my knees specifically um like you said to do wall sits of which i've done no wall sits at all but um what what i what i what i did i took because again this links with the psychological aspect yeah. for me like i just fucking i know that i, I just what just can't be asked doing wall sets i just what won't won't do them so but what i have done is i've applied the set the the protocol that you recommended the three sets of 45 seconds um and basically done an isometric like spent done the isometric in a position that's relevant to that day where I'm like um, prone to the knee pain. So say yeah. for instance, if I'm squatting, I'll do like, I'll maybe do like say one of the 45 second blocks, like say just above parallel where I feel my anterior knee pain or whatever. Yeah. And then I might do one at the bottom of the squat and then I might do one just below. And by the time I get, and, and how I implement the pro, how I've successfully implement, implemented the protocol, was instead of just doing it as a warm up, because for me, like I, I'm like, it's like a, when I train, it's like a switch being flipped, if you will. Like I'm just chilled and just whatever. 
and it takes me a while to get going. But once I get going with my training, and I'm, sp- and I'm sure many people are like this, when I get going my, with my training, I need to fucking get in whilst I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to get onto my top set of deadlifts or whatever. I need to get into my squat. Like I don't want to be doing three sets. So it's that time you'd spend doing the isometrics. Yeah, exactly. So, so what, what, I'm practic- what I'm doing is I'm like I'm coming in, doing one, of the, doing one of the isometric things in the position. So say for instance, like if I'm doing jerks or push presses yeah. or whatever, yeah. I'll, do it, I'll, I'll do my first isometric whilst doing a like say front rack hold or whatever and i'll pause in the dip where i'm prone to getting that where my knee feels like it's going to fucking explode basically and i'll do the isometric there and i can literally feel um i can literally feel that an analgesia effect like coming straight away that you mentioned and that was just a fucking light bulb for me when you explained about that and like literally it's like for me doing this it's like better than so much better than painkillers yeah. like i like, might have like an ibuprofen one day when i'm at when i might really really struggling and then it might take half an hour for it to feel okay whereas literally i'm going from like being like i said to shane like maybe like a seven out of ten discomfort to like a three like in the space of 40, 40 seconds yeah, I'm, go- I'm going to that. Going to my then, then I'll do like a warm up set or whatever I'm doing, low weight thing, whatever. And then I'll what I'll do is like say for instance I'm doing the the jerk or push press. I'll just basically do the isometric in the next position that feels most exposed, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and actually that's really smart because the isometrics are angle specific. So I'd always encourage people when they're doing their isometric to try and find those hunt out those bits in the movement they're doing that feel like the most gnarly and then camp out in that position. So what you're actually doing is taking it to like, applying it to the next stage. And I think that's a really smart way of doing things. Yeah, I, I, it's smart. It's smart because of motivation. Yeah, yeah. And actually being like, fucking hell, like okay, I can fit this in because I'm putting it in <clears throat> at the point of my training where I, w- I wouldn't be doing anything hard because I'm like, I've just done a really heavy set of squats or something. Well, not squats, I don't fucking squat, but uh, a heavy set of deadlifts. Um, and then where I'd be just stood there, like just fucking waiting to feel normal again. Like I, I'm, I can actually do this kind of low intensity thing where I'm getting such a benefit from it. Um, and the, the um, so follow because I mean, we've how long was it since we did the first podcast? Was it? It's been quite. It's been a few weeks. Yeah, about three or four weeks, isn't it? Three or four weeks. Yeah. And what have you found, like in terms of your day-to-day knee pain? How has that changed in response to these? Are you still struggling day-to-day, or are you well, finding... honestly, it's like it, it, it's it's crazy. It, and the same, by the way, like. And by the way, right? When I thought of it for a bit. When, when I spoke to Shane the other day, right, and I said, Shane, um, you know, the isometric stuff, like, I said, oh, I fucked it off. I didn't do those wall sets. So I just thought they were fucking irrelevant because I'm, because I'm, like, to me, what I'm doing. And don't get me wrong, I think me and Shane are a little bit different because we know a little bit more than, say, Joe Bloggs coming in out of the street. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think, go and do well. Your, your application's better, isn't it? Because you're yeah, coping exactly. exactly. So... I said I did it on log the other day and I said I uh, got, got in my front rack position and then just locked, paused in the dip and Shane went, fucking hell, I did exactly the same thing. <laughs> and that's what, that's great what, minds. And then you, and then you, 
like your knee pain you said was better when it should what, what have your results been mate yeah well basically for maybe three sessions i did these wall sits and every time i sat there i was like oh fucking cannot be asked like, don't even know what i can't be asking me and obviously my main thing is if i'm not going to be consistent with something i'm not going to get any results yeah so again my thought process was um i'll warm up my squat and i was like oh hang on a minute i'll I'll just pause these squats. And for whatever reason, my brain tells me that pausing at the bottom of that squat where the knee pain is, is going to benefit my performance. And I want to do it. And and I've done it every time I've squatted since. And the same with the log. I just dip and I dip. I actually have to extra dip on the log. But then I find this point where it's like really painful. I just hold it there. And eventually it just goes. And again, I've not actually, now as soon as you mentioned the day-to-day knee pain, I can't remember a time where I've said to Shannon, like, oh, my knees are fucking killing. Because I usually, like, every day I'd be sat on sofa and I'd be like, my yeah. fucking knees are throbbing. But yeah. I can't remember last time I did. So I assume it has got better, but I've just not really noted it, to be honest. Yeah, so I'm the same when I sit when I sit on the sofa. Like, I sit on the sofa for whatever, 10 minutes, and then, like, over my, the, like, my life, I, I, I'll have to, like, lay down to, strength, to straighten my legs out because otherwise my, knee, my knees just nag. And also, yeah. like, like going up and down stairs is like always a nightmare. I just feel like my knees are just going to give way as I as I go up and down stairs. And that has been like, it, it's just honestly absolute madness. Like how, how much different it's been. Like, um, like, and what I'm, what I'm managing to do in it in any given training week. So. And, and, and I think my knees feel like I'm on ibuprofen like all the time. Right. Yeah, that's, that, that's a good way to. So, so like. My, Monday, Monday, I've done, I've done like say log and push push press variation, and then on Tuesday I did like a massive, like anterior loaded session where I'm doing like say jerk variations, heavy heavy high percentage jerks. So by Wednesday you'd expect to be in your knees to be in pieces, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Wednesday I where I usually do some like strict press volume on my log. Yeah, because. I can't, even though I really want to do push press because you bend your legs at that point. Yeah, I, I can't bend my legs, so I, so I do strict press to give my knees a bit of a rest when I yeah. do overhead. This week, I've been able, to, I was able to push press, and then in the evening, I went to a CrossFit class, and I was like doing fucking burpees and two hundred meter runs, and I was think, I was cringing, thinking, oh shit, I really don't, <laughs> I don't want to run because I haven't done any running really in the last year. Yeah, and then, and then today I've expected to feel like I, I'm not going to be able to fucking move uh, in terms of my knees, and I've just done absolute shitloads. So I've squatted like heavier than I've done in in absolutely ages. I've done like what seventy kilo? Uh, <laughs> yeah, 70, 70 kilo. Uh, I did. I, I did like over ninety percent on my axle clean and jerk. So that's like. Four days. Oh, that one three. Yeah, four days five, on the track. or whatever it was. That was really nice. Yeah, I did did one three five before and quite a bit of volume as well. Um, but basically, I've done four, four days in a row where I've done like fucking done like push press with leg drive or jerk, and then a day of running in with that, and then I'm gonna do lot. I'm gonna do some log tomorrow. So basically, and oh yeah, on Tuesday I did a load of front squats and just basically I've done all the the stuff that just trashes trashes my knees and that I've always had to just manage recovery with and it and honestly it's just just crazy crazy what a difference I can't, 
can't believe it, honestly. It's mad. Oh, and the other the other benefit as well, which I think contributes to the recovery, is because of the because I've been doing the isometrics. I feel like the um, that I've actually built built up like actual strength in my musculature and stuff. So, say a, a big thing for me is on my right side. Like if you watch me dip on my push press or whatever, like my my arch collapses. Yeah. Uh, or like the compensation pattern is like my arch, my arch of my foot collapses, or I mean, like I maintain my knees pretty equally, but my foot has to turn out to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, or just basically, you can see that I'm missing a bit of uh, hip external rotation on the right side. Yeah. So what I've been doing is I've been doing like the isometrics with a bit of a bias to the right side in terms of maintaining the arch of my foot integrity whilst really focusing on that hip external rotation on the right side. So I've been putting like 70-30 right to left, if you will, whilst I'm doing yeah. the isometric. Yeah. And, yeah and I think the thing is with, I think with a lot of this stuff, once you've done the isometrics, I mean, I think they, one of the things I see, one of the issues I think I see with like rehab of tendon problems is nine times out of 10, when you're working with guys that, are, you know, you're, you're lifting super physiological loads, the rehab, you almost underload. You go and see your physios and your, you know, your strength kind of therapists. And what they end up doing is they underload you. So you never get that kind of load through the knee. Whereas the isometrics, you can do those and get some analgesia. And then you can carry on with your session, which I think then then builds the load tolerance in the tendons, you know, which, which is what we talked about in the first podcast. Yes. And that's, what I, that's exactly what I've noticed, right? Because I've gone from this, um, I've, I've got this kind of, the painkilling effect and then also the isometric which just obviously beyond the painkilling effect <clears throat> i'm actually building strength in these new positions that are actually better to recover from so yeah. because, because like my my foot's activated better on that right side and I, and then my glutes activated um i'm i'm getting a better i'm going i'm like taking a video of set one and it looks like i'm fucking going not need on my on my right side and my foot collapsing. Yeah. And then I'm doing like my set of isometrics. Not only am I getting the pain free, pain free benefit by the set two and three, it actually looks more even. Yeah. I feel like the aggravation I'm getting from like the knee collapsing in, um, is actually, I'm doing more of my volume in actually a more knee friendly position, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you're doing with those, changing those foot positions, you're actually changing that motor engram. So, you know, you talked about your compensation patterns. Yeah. What you tend to find happens when people have got injuries is they start to move differently. And if they do that movement differently for long enough, it changes that movement pattern. So then they default back into that. So by doing the isometrics and correcting your foot position, changing that external rotation in the hip, you're actually recorrecting your movement pattern, so you move, so you are moving better, but you, you're laying down a new motor program, which again should help to stop that thing from coming back. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's a really smart way to approach. And I'm going to change the on the basis of that, Shane. I'm going to change what I'm going to do tomorrow, with as, as far as the strongman program is concerned, and, and do some stuff like that in the gym. Um, do some I've got a question for you now because I yeah, fucking just remembered it that I wanted to ask you anyway. It's kind of isometric related, but also just a general question for me to go through. <laughs> but the um, I've always had little hamstring issues on my deadlift. 
Yeah. Where Josh has seen it happen to me. I pulled 300, like five sets of three at Josh's, and on one of the sets, I've done it like, did a couple of sets, they're all easy. One of the sets, I just feel hey, like this. Really- Shane, 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 you did, two, you did two sets of two, and then you were meant to do five sets of two, not five sets of three, and you got fucking, your hamstring blew out on your third. So you didn't do fucking five sets of three at 300. You had two sets of two, and you, then you got fucking injured and went, cried. Well, whatever Josh says. I don't remember my rep and set schemes from playweights <laughs> from a year ago. <laughs> but I was doing five sets of two then, and on my third specific set, on my second rep, I felt a rip in my hamstring. Uh, the other day, I was in bad rip. I mean, like a little, and then yeah. nothing after that. Like there's no pain. I could, I can do some hamstring curls. I could do some light stiff leg deadlifts. But it just like mentally, I'm like shit. Should I- stop or, or what and then three weeks ago i pulled 270 for it was supposed to be like eight to ten and i got to like two and again it, i felt this rip and this is in my good hamstring that i've not previously torn yeah yeah um then took a bit of rest did a couple of light volume sessions and then i pulled 305 last week for what was supposed to be five but ended up being uh one and on the second felt this rip again I then went to a massage guy three days later. He was like, if it, it didn't feel painful. He's like, it's completely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. So I was like, right, okay. So then uh, three or four days later, I pulled 320 and no, no rip, no nothing. But I'm just like, what the fuck is it for starters? And the other question is, if it's just like, if it's just like a feeling that's not bad, could I do some kind of like, prone hamstring curl isometric that would remove the feeling of that little it feels like I expect it's like a little bit of velcro just tearing it's like a proper muscle tear where I feel like a big fucking twang and then fall over and go limp it just like it's a little rip and then it makes me go whoa shit I should probably stop pulling um but again the thing that was weird is when I did the 305 for two uh, afterwards, I did three sets of 10 stiff leg deadlift at 170 and couldn't feel a thing. So I was just like, what the hell did I do? Like, it makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, when you hear those like Velcro things, it usually indicates you've got a little bit of a muscle strain. Now, as, as to the degree of muscle strain, like when you're training, DOMS is, is a type one muscle strain, essentially. So when you're training, you are getting microscopic tears in the muscles. And I think on your dominant side, I'd imagine that's what you're feeling. It's the, the, the load from that, that lift. The fact there's no pain and it doesn't affect lifting, it doesn't affect your pain, suggests to me that it's not you know, a significant muscle strain. But I think it's something, for me, it'd be something I would take. Uh, I would do some specific work, like you just talked about with the isometrics and stuff, just to, to bomb-proof that side. Yeah, so my... my- the theory was back when I had my biggest deadlift, yeah. I never used to have hamstring issues and I used to isolate my hamstrings a lot. And yeah. I haven't since I closed the gym because everywhere I've trained doesn't had any hammy isolation machine. So basically what you're saying is kind of what I was thinking might be right. I just need to bomb proof them by unilateral yeah. and bilateral isolation route okay yeah because i think the if you've done no like your rdls i think one of the best ways to increase your hamstring mobility is, is an rdl is a weighted rdl and i think where you've not been doing as much direct hamstring work maybe your hamstrings have shortened slightly 
And what you're doing is you're going through your deadlift, you're getting some elongation in the muscle, which feels like, you know, your Velcro tearing. And that's yeah. what you're feeling. But yeah, I my think... hamstrings are actually hypermobile, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because of my kickboxing days, I can still put my fucking leg near enough over my head. Um, but the RDLs and stuff, the reason why I don't do them is um, I like to do my assistance after deadlift. And after a heavy deadlift session, I've just smoked. I don't. I can't do yeah. fucking RDLs. Yeah. If I do, it'd be, it'd be a fuck all weight. There'd be no point doing it. Um, so and maybe that's, maybe that's why, because of your hypermobility with your kickboxing, maybe that's why they aren't tearing because you have a degree of flexibility in there. Your, your flexibility, somebody else whose hamstrings are tighter, maybe that would be the equivalent of a tear. But because you've got some ability for the muscle to elongate, you've got some, you know, stretch in those tissues. Right, I, see, I, see, I see what you're saying, right, okay, I understand that. Maybe that's why, maybe they are, maybe you are getting a minor tear, but because you've got that degree of compensation and that flexibility from your kickboxing days, that's why you're not getting the pain and the discomfort. That's why it's not progressing into like a proper you know, full-on hamstring strain. Right, okay. Yeah, because I just thought it was weird that the fact that, like, it definitely something happens. Yeah. And then I'm like, the next day, like, I'm not walking, even, like, with a slight hobble, I jump on a peanut or whatever, I can't feel some kind of knot or whatever, you know, any pain. It's just, like, the same. But I was always like, well, well does this mean I just need to keep pulling or, or do I need to stop? Or like, I don't really understand what to do. So, yeah. But yeah, I think some isometrics and you know maybe some Nordics and stuff like that. Whether you do Nordics and then whether Nordics is part of your. Well, this is the thing. It used to be, but since my hamstring tear, I can't do a Nordic curl anymore, um, and it's quite hard to unless you get a spotter. It's quite hard to, um, you know, progress to one, isn't it? You just yeah. got to be able to do one or not. So actually, literally today, a prone hamstring curl came. So I'm going to be using that. And I'm um, trying to get my hands on a reverse hyper as well. Yeah, I saw so, your post, I saw your thing on Instagram asking about that. Yeah, well, I bought one and then it fucking <clears> said, oh, I'll be delivered in January. I was like, what the fuck? So I had to, I had to cancel it. So but, I currently don't have one. I think those, uh, the, those skateboards are pretty useful, Shane, you know, for, for hamstring, for space saving. Did you ever have a go at one? Um, uh, my, my. Yeah, again, that's, that's like the wall sit to me. Like, I know it's all right, but I'll never do it. Yeah, fluffy um, stuff. It doesn't really... Yeah, the, the prone hamstring curl, I love. And now it's in there, I'll, I'll probably... Like, I used to... Because Andrew Triana, who used to program me, used to put prone hamstring curls in prior to every squat and deadlift session. And I used to yeah. squat and deadlift both twice a week. So I'd do prone ham curls four times a week. And I was so strong at them. I used to just fucking, like, stack this machine that was proper heavy and do, like, three sets of 20 before every session. And I could do like 10 Nordic curls, uh, easy, just fine. And um, when I came here, I was like, I'm going to isolate my hamstring and do some Nordics. And I just fucking couldn't even control the eccentric. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's just a glass. That's why as well, my lockout, if you look at all my old videos, never have I struggled when I get to the, when I get over the knee. Uh, as soon as my hammies and glutes just get to extend, they're powerful. But that 320 pull I did yesterday was like weird. It was a weird feeling. Like, I was like, oh, I've done it. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm not. What the hell's going on? And then my hamstrings just wouldn't lock out. So hopefully they stay intact and do not tear so I can get strong again. So um, <clears throat> back, to, back to what we were saying about having, having a bit of a partnership. So obviously from us just waffling fucking shite, 
on this like people can see that we're actually um have something that <clears throat> i suppose if i recommend somebody to go and see you for rehab stuff that it's not just me kind of just saying oh yeah this this thing sounds good and whatever like a I've actually felt like looked into your stuff and I'm, I just, I just look, love the whole, whole thing about it and the whole ethos and what you're. Yeah, I mean, I think we've, you know, our, our sort of driver, I've, I've always loved strength sports. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say I've always lifted. I was an endurance athlete. Uh, when I first started, I was a cyclist, but I always enjoyed lifting weights. And I think I've spent 30 years in gyms, in and around powerlifting and bodybuilding, strongman. <coughs> the natural uh, fit. And I think when, you're, when you combine, you know, that experience of lifting with the rehab stuff, I think it makes for a, a good fit. You know, Shane and I work really closely together. We've got quite a few clients that we work alongside. And um, I don't necessarily... The, the beauty of working with, you know, Shane... And obviously yourself in the future, Josh, is the fact that you understand the stuff. So if I say box squat him or dead block pull him or, you know, you understand why I'm asking you to do that, taking that bottom movement out because it's aggravating something in the back or it's aggravating something in the hamstring. So, yeah, so I think it's, it's a, I think it's a really good fit. And like I say, you know, I love, I love the, I love strength sports. So for me, this is like, uh, I'm like a kid in a candy shop get my hands on these, even if it's online, if it's not necessarily face-to-face. Yeah, it's like what Josh said, though. it's hard to find someone that, that's why I started just, I mean, I didn't even ask you, I just started recommending clients to you. It was only after a few that we kind of started chatting. It's just yeah. because I don't, I don't, it's hard to find someone you trust, you know what I mean? And you get, you get so many conflicting opinions and this and that, and I prefer to just be like, I will listen to this person um, and whatever they say, I'll take as gospel. I don't care what anybody else says because I just feel like I, I like I like that. I don't know what the word is, but you know what I mean. I like to just have a pathway and follow it instead of yeah. like it's like strength training. People read nineteen programs online and they come in and do like seven million different things. I just fucking pick one and do it and it'll work. Like the marriage is good or not. Yeah. But my thing was I never found someone that I trusted in that I spoke to and thought, oh, I'm learning stuff off this person. Um, so that's why I obviously started recommending you to, to clients because in the past it was like sometimes I'd feel like I was teaching them stuff about anatomy or whatever yeah. and yeah. I'm like, this isn't quite right, you know what I mean? So Yeah, the yeah, balance of power is different, isn't it, in this situation? <clears throat> yeah, like, yeah, it's how it should be. Like, I shouldn't go to a rehab specialist and then be fucking poking me in my liver or something and I'm like, that's not my, what are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think the thing is, I think I'd, I'd like to keep things simple. I think there's a lot of people, a lot of therapists overcomplicate things because they don't really understand, you know, they by, by over, it's like that, it's that analogy and it bullshit baffles brains. And I think when you go and see somebody, if you don't come away understanding what it is that they're trying to do for you, then they haven't explained things very well. They probably don't understand the, the, the intricacies of that injury. And I think a lot of things, they're usually very simple. You know, I think a lot of the stuff that we see in the strongman and the powerlifting world, it's very common stuff. Tendon problems are really common. You know, it's made, um, it's made me realize the stuff that, like, we talked about on the last podcast because I listened to the podcast again and I realized the stuff that you were actually, your approach and you recommending your rehab pathways and shit. 
I realized that this is stuff that I've been doing with people for the last five or six years, yeah. but without like, I've always, I've always, I've always said the disclaimer, look, I'm not a physio, I'm not a rehab professional or whatever. So, but this is my opinion. Like yeah. what I think we should, Oh, you, you've blown your knee out doing a fucking squat. I think you should squat. Yeah. What we do, what we'll do, we'll, 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 we'll give you a pain. We'll, we'll find a pain free load or if we yeah. can't find a pain free load or very range that they can yeah, do. Exactly. We'll, if we can't find a pain free range, we'll, we'll, we'll work a, we'll work a, um, a, a range of motion. Yeah. Like with a squat, you, it's hurting at parallel. Your knee feels like it's going to blow off. Right. Let's do a box squat just above. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Then, oh my God. I'm absolutely pain free. Roll. Yeah. Fucking smack some weight on your back now. Yeah. And, let, and let's do it. And, and that's it. I mean, I think the, the closer you can keep your rehab, the closer you can keep your rehab to the sport that you're doing, the better. Yeah. And that's why the isometrics works well, because essentially you can isometric, reduce your pain, and then essentially you can then just carry on with your, with your session as is, and your session becomes your rehab. And that's the, yeah. that's, that's the beauty of good programming, is the yeah. fact that you're not having to do... We've talked it quite in quite in depth on other on other episodes actually um like pe- people have said to me or oh, like how, how um or how how i've improved at deadlifting and they see this fucking thing about um that there's been times where i've deadlifted five de- five times a week or whatever which we've covered quite a bit but that whole thing was born out of rehab yeah i fucking i put my back out deadlifting like whatever 18 months ago two years ago so my approach was i need to fucking deadlift more to yeah. to to stop to stop to achieve my goals to to stop this happening again and to bullet so i've i've rehab 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 myself and built like um so much strength by actually and resilient strength and resilience i mean yeah i think that's that's the key word isn't it? it's tissue resilience that's what we're trying to establish here yeah, yeah. Not, i don't mean it in terms of numbers on the bar necessarily even though i've done the i've built the resilience as the priority and yeah. now because i've been so consistent with it the numbers on the bar have just have yeah. gone massively and people are seeing numbers on the bar have gone up what have you done and actually this thing was born out of the fucking rehab it was like because of like hurt my back deadlifting so in my head i need to deadlift i i need to deadlift more uh, Obviously, lower percentages because the whatever. Did you change your? So I tend to find with people when they blow the back out deadlifted, it's usually as they're on that first pull as they're coming out of the hole. Did you change your depth in those early stages of your rehab? Did you like? Did you block pull or rat pull or? Um, no, I didn't. I, I just went straight back in and just drop your percentage down. Straight back in, like well, day, the day after, I think. And um, as soon as I was getting like, it, like <clears throat> I was k- kind of getting a little bit more extension in my thoracic than I normally would, and it would just it just meant I was pain free. Yeah, and I could lift it, as long as I wasn't didn't go into like any kind of spinal flexion, if you will. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then I could lift, but obviously my ego was hurting because I couldn't lift anywhere near as much. But you still was, lift him. That was my variation that I was like, so instead of doing whatever, five sets of five at 180, I was doing five sets of five at fucking 60 kilos. 
but it was. And I think what's the uh, what's the science behind that then? Well, not, not a lot of science, but you know, like what happens to you know, talking about like tissue resilience and stuff. Yeah. So like, um, what actually happens to like the structure of the fire, the morphology of the muscle, or whatever? That does some changes happen? Like, can you are you actually building tissue resilience? Is that something? Yeah. So when you if you take the if you take your knees for example, you know your tendinopathies in your knees. When you, you your tendons go through three stages, so it goes through like the tendonitis stage, the inflammatory stage. Now, for most people, if you catch it early enough, if they took if they deloaded for about three to five days at that point, that would halt the progress of that tendinopathy completely. They'd, they'd get rid of the tendonitis pain and they'd be able to carry on training as normal. But nobody does that, so you go through a disrepair stage where essentially you start to lay down a different type of collagen. So muscles and tendons are made of type 1 collagen. Now this has the, I suppose it has the tensile strength of steel. You know, I watched this um, when I was, I, was do, I did some ward rounds when I, was a, when I was a junior, and I did some orthopedic surgeries, and this guy had ruptured his Achilles tendon. And the surgeon said, we've got no suture, no man-made material that's as strong as the tendon. So I'm going to reattach his tendon using these sutures. But unfortunately, he's never going to be the same athlete ever again because the sutures we've got aren't as strong as the tendon itself. So the material that makes your tendons up is incredibly strong, stronger than steel. And it's, and it's bioplastic, so it remodels in response to stress. So you get your injury, type 3 collagen gets laid down, which has got a lower tensile strength than type 1. And then when you load it, it matures from type three into type one. And that's what we're doing with the isometrics. And that's what we're doing with the, you know, the program and after you've done your isometrics. So it's all about building tissue resilience. And that so tissue is this resilience. something that you could time with certain peds if you're an enhanced athlete? Because I don't know if you know much about like equipoise and... Yeah. The increased collagen production. Would these, would these help lay down type three that you could then transfer into type one over time. How long does that take that process then? From it's around about six to eight weeks. Now the problem right, with so it's a long, long stint yes, then. It's a long stint. The problem with PEDS is you've got the dichotomy between they, PEDS change tendon structure. This is why tendinopathies are so common in strength athletes. So they're laying down that type three collagen, which is immature. But on the converse, you've got a big bag of muscle now that's producing a shit ton of force on a little weak stringy tendon that's not capable of withstanding that force. So right. it's almost like that's the, the issue with PEDS isn't so much, you know, that they, they weaken tendons, the muscle gets stronger, but there's a delay between the tendon getting stronger or between that type three collagen maturing into type one. So, you know, four to six weeks, your muscle's big, it's strong, it's capable of producing lots of force. Another four weeks down the line, your tendon catches up. And until you get to that point, that's why people are vulnerable to these tendinopathies. So as much as things like equipoise and MPP and some of those um, collagen producing, you know, steroids are concerned, I don't necessarily think they enhance the process. I think in, in actual fact, they might slow the process down a little bit because the, the risk is your muscles getting stronger, but the tendon isn't, hasn't caught up yet. So I think you have to be very careful um, as you progress in those, you know, your lifts through there when you're an enhanced athlete, because I think the danger is your muscle produces so much force through a tendon that's not capable of producing, you know, withstanding that force, 
that's when you get your tendon ruptures. That's when you get your problems, you know, rising from if there. If you were going to be using the PEDS anyway, would yeah. you be better off if you suffered from these issues and you wanted to be aware of them and sort them? I'm talking about this myself. That's a shame. Would you be better off running things that are like a bit interesting? Yeah. It's a subject I was literally reading this subject yesterday. In fact, I've got a fucking thing. I've made a close this. Literally, was reading a study that I got sent on. Um, I won't fucking read it all because it's 10 miles long, but it's talking about collagen synthesis. And yeah. It's talking about Deca Equipoise, Anavar, Prima Bolin will all increase skeletal muscle while at the same time dramatically increase collagen synthesis and bone mass density, leaving you with substantially reduced chance of becoming injured than if you were to run your typical cycle of AES like Sustanon, uh, Testosterone, Sipinate, or Ananthe. That is literally something I was reading. Yeah, and I would agree, it does help with collagen synthesis, but you've got to remember that collagen that lays down is type 3, it's immature. So you right. go through the, the, the maturation process before you can start to, you know, kind of load that heavy. And I think that's the tip that, you know, I get that a lot in clinic, people come in, I'll just stick a bit of Decker into it. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to stick a bit of decor in. And also as well, can, like, can I intervene here? Um, like, I suppose a pro problem with practical uh, application to that is like, say for instance, if you just like, say to use the PED and you just sat there, and you mu your muscle of repair and your, your uh, tendon of repair or whatever. But if you're using the PED and you're, you're getting back into the, I suppose, the tech, the tech, the subject matter could be it like in a in a like non-training individual. Well, I don't know why I take gear for that. Training. I think the problem the problem is it the rest makes tendons softer and more pliable. So if you sat there on your settee and just took your pads, yes, the tendon would you'd lay down more collagen, but that collagen would still be immature because you haven't loaded it yet. This well, is so, basically right, so I've got it in the brain. You yeah. need type one. I like yeah. to simplify shit. I don't like yeah, yeah. You need type one, but it ends up being laid as type three first. Yeah. So the PEDS will increase the type amount three. of collagen that gets formed type three. Then, as an athlete, I should be taking steps to help it quickly traverse to type one, absolutely. which would be through the isometrics, etc. Yeah. that we yeah. talked about. Loading it, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. And I think that's the, if you understand that, you understand then why tendon injuries are so prevalent in strength sports, because people don't do that. They don't, they don't stress shield the tendons. Their muscles are getting stronger and they think, oh yeah, I'll fucking add a few more plates onto the bar. But the tendon isn't yet strong enough because it's still that immature type three collagen. It needs that time to yeah. So it, no matter how many peds you put in, you still have to go through the process. Yeah, I suppose that, that that's what I was trying to what, what I was trying to say. You could be t the the danger is like practically they could be taking taking the peds and feeling like oh fucking hell I'm getting stronger and yeah. uh, my muscles are in, increasing in terms of force production, more weight on the bar. But like you say, the uh, the the, the yeah that makes sense. Yeah, that's just that's like a common bro thing. Like, I mean, they don't know the science behind it, but every bro that takes gear knows that, don't they? Or your tendons can't keep up with your muscles; they'll blow off. You know, it's just every, 
I, I never knew the exact science, but well, I did. I knew it was the collagen stuff, but I didn't know exactly how it worked. But what's the question there? So basically, like, once it's once it's traversed to like this type one, yeah. Does it need when you're going for a, tra- a new training cycle, or whatever. Does that you say it, it turns into what did you call it? It starts to break down again. Is that what you said? No. So if you go, so let's say you you deload for a, a week or so. You've done you've done your training block. You deload for a week. In that week of deloading, where you're doing less volume, less load, or a combination of the two, your tendon starts that that type one starts to become a bit less. Uh, it has a bit less tensile strength. So rest. If you look at like the footballers, they have the six weeks off. You know, when they're, when they're at the end of the season. Yeah. After their after the six week break, they go back into the pre-season, and the prevalence of tendon injuries during that pre-season training, because they suddenly go from doing nothing apart from sitting on the beach in Ibiza and fucking, you know, snorting coke and whatever else they do these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and they, they suddenly go back into a high-load environment and the tendons are softer and can't yet withstand that load. They're still type 1, but they're just a, a slightly less strong type 1 collagen. So you never revert back to type 3 is the, is the repair tissue. That's what it's almost like a detrained. Type. Yeah, it's like a detraining effect. Mm. So what I'm trying to get at here, really, I don't know why I'm beating around bushes. If you're continually getting stronger, you'll need to continually go for this process of adding this type three collagen. It gets traversed to type one, yada yada. Why are my tendons weaker now when I'm weaker? Like, why do they, why have they not caught up? You know what I mean? Why are they not? Why am I not balanced like Thanos? You know, just you know what I'm saying. Because if you're weak, that suggests that you're not loading those tendons with as much load. And it's that load that makes the tendon stronger. So it's not that it... It's no, no, not I'm, still, I'm still training. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still just as trained as I've ever been. But my peak strength was about three years ago. Yeah. And since then, um, I traversed to powerlifting. And um, since then, my tendons have not been the same even though the weights are shift and less i know it's different because it's like calibrated plates and stuff and i used to deadlift on you know like the josh lank setup a bumper plate and all that stuff yeah. um and it's a bit easier so there is a little bit of difference there but in terms of weight lifted like i'd regularly pull over 330 340 fucking every other week and um i was i never felt a thing and since um, the, since the hamstring blew off, the hammy things have happened regularly, but not in that leg. That leg's fine. It feels like iron. It's the other leg. Yeah. Uh, I've had little anterior delt, like fucking sensations and ripping, and it just feels like crap all the time. But I'm lifting less weight than I used to ever lift, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think this is a case of, it's that said principle, isn't it? Specific adaptations to impose demand. You know, when you're concentrating on three lifts and your accessories, you probably become very good in terms of your movement pattern, your efficiency at loading those tendons. Now, in a, in a sport of strongman, you know, you've got a lot of disciplines to get through in the course of the week. So your tendons aren't getting the same amount of loading through. Although you're doing similar movements, some of those movements aren't quite as deep. You know, if you're doing push press and it's not the same as a squat, it's and I think it's that that probably means that your tendons are a little bit weaker because it's so what you're trying to say is I should just do strongman, just do strongman, yeah, just do okay. strongman. 
and sometimes I wonder this, you know, because it pisses me off. Because right, when I was at my peak strongman, was peak strongman, <laughs> peak strength in strongman, I, I rocked up and squatted three thirty, bench two hundred with zero technique, and deadlifted yeah. three fifty hook grip with zero peak. And since I changed the power thing, I just keep getting fucking injured, and I'm not as strong as I was when I did strongman. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, do you know, and I think the the beauty of strongman is it's functional strength, isn't it? It's, you know, I think you become very... Because it's the cost of specialisation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's... Well, you become shitty. (laughs) You become... You're doing a lot of volume with just three different, three things, really. Yeah. Um, You're stuck in that, you know, like, say, you're stuck in that fucking sagittal plane doing, like... Yeah, you're right, yeah. You know, you think of the, you on a Friday. <laughs> yeah, you think of the movement patterns in strongman. It's multi-directional. You know, you're having to concentrate. You've got an unstable load, whereas in your powerlifting, it's very. It's like you say, it's linear, it's sagittal. It's. Uh, it's. I think it's just those specific adap- adaptations to the to the, the sport. It's. Um, it's actually the reason. Are you still there? Hey, I'm sorry, I'm eating. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, <coughs> it's the reason why uh, I, I've, well, one of the main reasons why I've actually in, included, um, I've started going to CrossFit the last couple of weeks. Yeah. With, oh. with the sole purpose of being, I'm not pushing myself at all. I've spoken to the instructors and, whatnot and i've said that i'm going to do that i said i don't want to be i'm not going to be competitive i don't want to be because that was the risk with me i'm really competitive with everything that i do i'm literally going there and using it as a, a thing like gpp to, yeah, exactly yeah like to i think to enhance my recovery yeah something to hold me accountable to work working through some different planes planes of movement yeah. uh, that's constantly varied whatever um and that with, with that, just to put in for one sec, you got me to laugh ten, and I really have to go. Yeah, cool. <clears throat> we'll um, just kind of But but yeah, that that's the um, that that's my kind of rationale behind it. It's like actually part of my. Tra- it's because I'm all in on strongman. Like it, that's actually part of my kind of recovery thing. Yeah. Um, with, with that with that view, the building that base and the GPP. And I think that multi-directional strength is, is the reason why I think people struggle less with injuries because you have that stability in all different ranges. And I think that's the issue with powerlifting is it becomes, you become very strong in those linear movement patterns as soon as you move outside of that, you bend over to pick a piece of paper up and it's not, you know, it's not in that straight line deadlift squat sort of pattern. I think that's why you get these like weird back injuries occurring in those situations. And, that, and that's why you get your, your people who are like, oh, I've just deadlifted fucking 250 kilo, I feel great. And then they put the back out doing washing up or picking Yeah, up. absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, I think some of the stuff that we get, some of the guys I do, we get them to grapple. We get them down to the, there's a local... BJJ play stand by us. Um, they don't do any like arm bars. They don't do any sort of stuff that's going to damage the tendons. They just roll. 
because it's good for multi-directional strength. You know, your core strength when you're grappling is fucking like horrible. It just makes you feel absolutely, and it's GPP. And I think mixing things up a little bit and strongman gives you the, the vehicle to be able to do that, I think is a really good way to, well, to bomb proof yourself. You know, I think that's the, I think there's probably less, I don't, you, you tell me guys, in terms of injuries, what do you see the biggest amount of injuries from, from people at deadlift and powerlift or those people that strong the common, the common trend I see is the, even no matter what it is, the lower their like, aerobic capacity, yeah, the higher the injury rate. So whether, yeah. like Josh um, has got a really great work rate, I'm fucking terrible. And then you've got people that I know that are uh, really, really unfit and they're always hurt. And I've yeah. got people that, do crossfit and stuff for fun on the days off and they never get they never get injured and whether it's the fitness aspect or the multi-directional movement etc i think it's def- there's definitely a trend there blood flow i think in terms of like recovery if you're doing movement-based stuff like crossfit and you're not pushing loads you're not concentrating you know you're not doing it from a competition perspective you're increasing blood flow which helps recovery so i think there's there's probably a multitude of reasons why that analogy works really well. And I think that's why the, that, again, the strongman stuff, because it's, there's a huge amount of cardio stuff in there, in there, you know, from a yeah, you know, exactly. perspective. We'll be training proper there is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What's your experience, Josh? Do you find the same thing? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that pe- people who, um, pe- people that are coached for like, say, say powerlifting for instance like the more, more prone to like say the elbow injuries like squatting and yeah. the the knee the knee knee injuries like like just from the just sometimes it's just ba- basically something like um yeah like like say say injuries where like say someone's squatting two or three times a week and they just they, they just they just can't can't handle it like say low bar for instance and then you give them a different variation. You might have to give them like safety bar one day, front squats another day, and then they can low bar and they can, but basically find where they are on that continuum where they can, where you, you like, I suppose what I'm saying is like, have to think a lot more how you manage that recovery and like give them that enough variation. Because you're so limited in terms of your lifts, aren't you? you know, yeah. You've got three lifts essentially to, to Whereas with the, 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 the strongman, uh, the strongman stuff, the kind of, find that if you're competing and you're letting your like your competition events like kind of dictate your training cycles a little bit i think i think it's absolutely fantastic because like i look at like say the last couple of years and i've done like fucking uh even though i go like i'm quite specialized into my philosophy in terms of like i'll just train events for the next eight weeks for my next for my next comp if you will yeah any mcdonald um but I find that because I'm doing this like kind of unique eight week block now that seems to a lot of people that it's very specialized, whereas actually I've never done this eight week block before and I'll never do it again, if that makes sense. Yeah. I've, yeah. These, I've basically just got these 10 exercises that I'm just getting better at all the time, if you will, which are like slight different variations that of my last comp. Whereas if I was doing squat bench dead, squat bench dead, squat bench dead, for someone like me who'd want to be like, I just want to low bar squat, wide grip bench and fucking deadlift all the time. Like I, I, I could see how I could fall into that kind of 
overuse kind of injury kind of thing if you yeah and i think there's lots of transference in between events so i think the other thing is you're not necessarily you don't have to squat to improve your squat because your push pressing is basically the top part of your squat and you know that force that transference of strength yeah that's that's it for the for the I, i haven't back squatted since february and like i've hit like 99% 99% tonight just pissing about yeah and I've been using like say um say the last whatever eight weeks I've been I'm not 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 been not been bothered about squatting at all because I've been using stones in my head atlas stones as my deep knee flexion kind of progressive yeah. overload stimulus if you will yeah um and to be honest right, it, boys I'm gonna have to love you and leave you I promise Shannon it'll be half 10 because she's currently painting the wall that I was supposed to paint while I'm here, so I need to go help her. <laughs> because you can't pay a good pussy, apparently, so I've got to go earn it. <laughs> All right, mate. I'll see you All later. All right, dudes. I'll catch you here tomorrow, Shay. Yeah, do them e-book video things. Boy, work. Yeah, I'm on it. Don't worry. All right, see you later. I've got some, I've got some ideas as well. I'm going to change things up based on what we've talked about tonight. Oh, sorry. I've just fucking chopped him out. Um, so... What, are you okay for another 15 minutes or so? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, <clears throat> I'm yeah. good to go till tomorrow morning. We just, uh, just... You just lo- love talking. Yeah, same here. Um, so let, let's, t- let's talk... A l- so you, you've booked yourself on the show tonight, so uh, you just invite... <laughs> well, I don't even know what time we were doing it. Well, I was going to message you what time we are. Um but anyway, so we, the original thing was we were going to talk a little bit more about the the, the knee pain kind of stuff. What, okay. Yeah. Well, do, yeah. Well, just talk about it. Just talk about like assume that you're talking to like these these strong men and women who are just just getting the, those like say achy knees or the tendonitis, tendinopathy, or whatever. They're getting these kind of symptoms. What what would you do to obviously rehab? But what would you do to, what would you recommend? Like now, we're, now we've talked to, about having, giving you a bit of an insight into a mindset of like, say me and yeah. Shane, who were yeah. like, well, I can't be asked doing that, fucking hell. What, we want something that we want to be able to do long-term. And I know that the isometric stuff for me, because I'll, I'll um, put my own twist on it, is gonna be an ever-present in my programming. And I think that's the thing. I think what you've done there is you've based, and I think that's what I'd be encouraging people to do. You know, I think the wall sits and stuff was just there things that you'd use typically in a rehab situation because you don't have access to, you know, yokes and the stuff that you'd have in a strongman, you know, gym. So I think what you've hit the nail on the head there is, is by actually making it relevant to your particular events that's what I'd be encouraging people to do. So if it's tendon problems, the isometrics are the gold standard. You've got to be, that's what you've got to be doing. Um, bomb proofing your tendons, stress shielding your tendons with those isometrics and remembering they're angle specific. So hunting out the bits that feel um, uncomfortable and camping out there for 45 seconds, waiting for that analgesic effect that you talked about to kick in. And then again, next, next warm up set, find another position that feels you know, uncomfortable camp out there for 45 seconds so i think whatever your event whatever your movement is for that particular training session you could add a pause to load your knees in that particular movement i think that works unless you're doing strict presses that works for most of the events of of, you know in in the strongman repertoire doesn't it 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, I think from a, if it's tendon-related issues, you know, the isometrics for 45 seconds, three sets, add those into your warm-up movements. Um, and I think that would go a long way, like we've talked about, in that maturation of type 3 collagen into type 1 collagen. So almost in the process of training, you're rehabbing those knees. And I think this is like we talked about before, the issue with, I think the reason why a lot of people fail to rehab tendons when they've seen therapists is because unwittingly therapists are underloading those tendons. So, you know, you think you're, your average strong man, if I give them, you know, I don't know, a, a 70 kilo box squat, 100 kilo box squat, that's underloading those tendons when they're used to pushing much greater force. And what we're what the name of the game with tendon recovery is progressive overload. So your analgesics, reduce your pain, and then progressively then, then go into your session, and you should find that the session then becomes part of the rehab process. That's how you build tissue resilience back into those tendons. Yep. And uh, I think to build on that, to build on what you're saying, um, the thing with this approach as well is what I see a lot of people doing is they they get injured or they get a niggle and then they decide the rest exactly yeah so I'm injured so I've got to stop doing this so I've got to do <clears throat> it's basically this all or nothing and they go from like zero to a hundred percent and right. these people, these people that oh I've, I've been told that I need to rest for two weeks or not load it for two weeks it's bullshit uh, equally you know where they fuck up. They come back after two weeks and they say, oh, oh, there it is. it's turned midnight. Oh, I'm better. Yeah. So and they go and do the fucking map, the, the, like, just like they were two weeks ago. Yeah, and, then, and then they get into this like, kind of this uh, repetitive cycle. Whereas yeah. what, what you're saying, that if you've hurt yourself at, like, say, doing it an 80% set of five on whatever, deadlifts or whatever, or squats yeah. or whatever, yeah. like and you've you've felt something you've hurt something or whatever like instead of resting like give yourself give yourself four or five minutes to compose yourself or whatever or make sure they've got no inflammation or what whatnot that you've got and just just try and try and do but try and do a body weight squat see if you can do the see if you can do the movement pattern if you can't do it if you if you can't do a body weight squat can you hold on to a table or can you hold on to your mate or something or hold on to the squat rack and do like an assisted through the range of motion. Yeah, I, mean, I think the, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. There's a powerlifter, that proto, there's a protocol um, that basically, he, 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 this guy suffered from a lot of pec tears. So his rehabilitation for his pec tear was, he'd take an initial two or three days to let the sort of the weak repair tissue recover. And then he'd get back in the gym, he'd get his Olympic bar, He'd do two sets, three sets of 10 on the Olympic bar with no, no additional weight on there. Next day you go in, he'd add a biscuit either side. He'd do another three sets of 10. And over the course of two or three weeks, he gradually built himself back up. So he's improved his tissue resilience, his tissue tolerance yeah. by performing the movement that caused the, the problem in the first place. So I think in most cases, apart from muscle strains, you know, like Shane's hamstring, you, they, they would, apart from resting that in the, in the short to medium term, there wasn't probably a great deal he could do with that. You know, it sounded like it was a pretty, uh, pretty catastrophic injury. 
but in most cases, you know, tendons are different. Tendons, you, you, you can't rest with a tendon because if you rest, it gets more pliable. It becomes less load tolerant and it actually becomes worse. And then you've then got to regress your weight even further back to be able to find a weight that you can start to build back up again. Whereas with muscle injuries, after an initial three, maybe five days, depending on the, on the severity of the strain, Again, you've got to think about loading it back up. And I think this is the misconception. I mean, I get people doing, if we're talking about, um, you know, like a commercial gym where you've got like plate loaded machines, I'll get people doing single arm chest press. Let's say you've torn your pec. So on the good side, you load the bar up, the plate loaded machine up as much as you can. And you do that as for, you know, your three sets of 10, let's say. And on your injured side, you have the empty carriage and you do three sets of 10 on the empty carriage. And one of the misconceptions there people talk about there, oh, that'll create muscle imbalances, that'll create strength imbalances. Well, it takes fucking months to create strength imbalances and, and muscle imbalances. And there's a crossover effect in your spinal cord where the benefits on the good arm are conferred across to the bad arm. So if you've got an injury that you can't train, do some unilateral stuff. You know, get your, get your dumbbells out and do a unilateral chest press. Yeah, because... And, and in my opinion as well, like, like there's, there's a thing about unilateral stuff. Like some people argue that there's no such thing as unilateral because like if you go and do like a fucking single arm bicep, it's unilateral. So actually you, you, you're not just using that elbow joint, you're using your whole body stabilizing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, you're going to, you, you're going to get that, that carryover effect. Um, and, the, you know, the, the, the left side of your spinal cord communicates with the right side. You know, muscle hypertrophy, I think there's this, the, the nerve impulses that convey the, the action potential to the muscle also take a load of growth factors into the muscle. So, you know, these machines that stimulate the muscle externally, like you put these pads on and it fucking makes the muscles twitch. Like those things they use for the abdominals, you know, you can buy those, those pads on the, on, the, on the shopping channel. Get a six pack in six weeks. Well, it doesn't work because you're not all the growth factors, all the things that travel along that nerve pathway. That's what produces the hypertrophy. So it's not just the stimulation of the muscle; it's the nerve also communicates and, and, and sends in a load of growth factors to the muscle. So when you're training unilaterally, if there is such a thing as unilateral training, that crossover effects. It's, it's a real thing. So you're going to get some benefits. If you're in the situation where you can't train because you are, you know, your other side's that badly injured, do some unilateral stuff, keep training. And I think psychologically that keeps your head on, doesn't it? Because if you're used to being in the gym four or five times a week and then you suddenly stop, not easy to feel like shit, but your head falls off. And I think in a lot of cases that makes you feel worse about your injury. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I've always had this, always had this philosophy where um, like say I've, people at my gym have got injured or whatever inevitably over the years. And, and then um, like all, all my clients and um, gym members know now that I, I w I've always say, said to them that, look, if you, if your, if your leg gets chopped, you have to get your leg amputated at the weekend. I, I still want you coming in training as normal on Tuesday and we'll modify your program. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And nobody ever messages me saying, um, Oh, I'm injured. I can't come in. I'm training because oh, I've got a fucking oh, I've sprained my wrist or whatever, or because they know they'll come in. Sometimes people are limping. They've had a 
they've, they've, they've hurt themselves at work or at home or whatever, they're thinking, fucking hell, what's happened to you? And they'll come in and they'll be like, right, well, what can we do? And, um, and the, there's, there's always something. And, um, and, I, and I just think over, over the years, that over the last, whatever, six years, I can't, I can't think of an example off the top of my head where we haven't been able to do something that's actually within the movement pa- movement pattern where they've injured themselves, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, yeah, I mean, I think the only examples I can think of where we haven't been able to drill the movement pattern is things like disc injuries where you've got really bad sciatica. And in those situations, a lot of times, as soon as you get into that sort of hip hinge position, it triggers the sciatica. Now, even in those situations, I'll get them doing upper body. I'll get them doing like a bench press session, just a, a spot-o bench. So they're still training because that training effect produces endorphins. Endorphins are your painkillers. So it actually dampens down the response to the, you know, your, your disc injury in your back. But, but even even um, like with people that I've coached with like disc issues and sciatica and stuff like that, like I've often found that you can we can hip hinge in a way where as long as they can maintain that, that like basically um, differentiate between the hip hinge and, um, and basically hip flexion and spinal flexion. Yeah. Yeah. And that most people, if they can, if they can actually like differentiate and own that hip hinge and actually maintain neutral spine. Basically, if, in my opinion, like a lot, a lot of people can actually, if they can, if they can be pain free stood up, yeah, and they can be pain free in in, in a hip position. Yeah, I agree. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree completely. Like, and if they and if they're if they're doing a hip hinge and the like that's giving them uh, the sciatic pain or whatever. Like to me, that indicates that's a skill. Yeah, of the hip hinge of which absolutely yeah, which a deadlift might change to a fucking to like a dowel behind the back going like this or whatever. Yeah. Or, or well, you change your you change your convention into a sumo so they can keep the torso more upright. You know, there's there's yeah, there's a million one variations, but I think the the overarching theme, and like you say, I can't think of too many examples where I'll be saying to people, take some time off. The overarching theme is rest is one of the worst things you can do for an injury from an injury perspective, because the whole purpose of the injury, what your body's going through is it's laying down repair tissue, which is weak. That repair tissue needs loading and maturing into that type one collagen, which has that high tensile strength. And the only way you can do that is in the gym or in, you know, training, loading it. So I think tendon wise, your isometrics are perfect. If you've got a muscle strain, I think finding the load that you can do the movements without aggravating the, the damage you've created to the tissue and then slowly progressing up. I mean, muscle injuries, four to six weeks, you should back up to sort of full strength within four to six weeks. Enhanced athletes is a bit quicker because the collagen lay down is a bit quicker. Um, but fundamentally, keep moving it, keep training it. And if you can't train that side, do the other side, do something unilaterally, do something, you know, so you're still conferring some benefit across onto the side. Yeah, it, it, you know what, it, it's so amazing, refreshing listening to this because it, it, I can just picture times in, in my kind of, in, in the past where I've rehabbed injuries myself, like yeah. using this method. Yeah. 
completely going against the grain and what I've been what I've been recommended and just I've gone to see physios or whatever or whatever and they've told me and I've just thought that's not that's not working that's not going to work and I've got kind of taken it into my my own hands I've had like rotate a cuff issue whatever on my my right shoulder or whatever and my, and my thing was I want to be able to do eventually do fucking whatever max log or whatnot and my, my thing I, I found a variation to rehab my kind of rotator cuff on my shoulder my shoulders whatever I found a variation of a strict any kind of overhead movement was hurt was it was just aggravating and I found that I could I found a variation a really narrow close grip yeah. grip press that I could do and just with an empty bar to start off with but I could do it through the full range, control it, eccentric, concentric, pause at any position, and it was pain-free. So then I started, even though I could, say, put 100 kilos over my head, my, my, at that time, my, my protocol, my thing that I had to start with was if I went over 40 kilos, it would hurt. But if I did 40 kilos, it was pain-free completely. So I did 40 kilos, five sets of five, the day after I did 41, the day after I did 42, and I literally built up to whatever, did it like for a month in a row. So I got up to like 75, five by five. And then I, and then I started push pressing and I was like, fuck me, like I'm not in pain. Yeah, and then I transferred the variation over, right, I don't want to do this close grip thing anymore. I'll go over to the log, which I was really scared about. And it was, and it was fine, it was pain free. Yeah, I think with the log as well, when you've got shoulder injuries, the log is, because it's a neutral grip, you yeah. often find it's more comfortable. Like we've got a couple of clients I'm working with Shane on at the moment who can't, uh, they can't axle press, they can't push press because in that position it hurts the shoulders. Yeah. So we get them, we get them log pressing because the log is neutral. And I think for most shoulder problems, a neutral grip is a much more comfortable. Exactly. And another, another benefit of the log press in terms of a rehab tool because um, a lot of people see the log press who don't do strongman and they think, oh God, it looks a bit scary or whatever. Yeah. I've got like a, a, I've got a 23 kilo log at my, at my gym that I use with, say, say, say people who don't, who don't, who are not interested in strongman. Yeah. And another benefit of obviously the neutral grip, but also as well, it's slightly shorter range of motion as well. So if they've got that kind of, um, the, the rack position is uh, restricted or whatever. Like it's just a lot. Of, like I, I found it vi- very, very friendly for people's um, shoulders and wrists and elbows and stuff. Yeah, and I think, you know, when I hear that, people come and see me and they said, oh, yeah, I've been told to rest for two weeks. And the problem is, when you rest for two weeks, you don't know whether your injury is getting better or worse. And like you say, then what then tends to happen is they go back in at the same level as they did two weeks previously, thinking they're magically yeah. fixed. Now, even if you did take two weeks off, let's say you're in a situation where you've listened to your therapist and you took the two weeks off, you still need to drop your weights back or your range movement back because you'll have lost some tissue tolerance. So going back in at the same level you left off two weeks previously is, I mean, is a recipe for you know, re-aggravating the same injury. So in a situation where you have taken that two weeks off, then you still need to scale your weight back or scale your range of movement back because you've lost, in that two weeks, you've lost some tissue load tolerance. Yeah. That's, that's the name of the game. You know, I think the, the, the smart athlete, the athlete that finds workarounds, like you just talked about, with things like shoulder problems, knee problems, hip problems, it's, it's not the athlete that stops training the minute they get an injury because that just 
you know, adds insult to injury. You start to move differently when you're walking around the house. It starts to become, you know, you get those compensation strategies. And before you know it, it's not just the hip problem. It's you've got, you've got back pain, you've got knee pain, you've got hip, you know, ankle pain because you've changed movement patterns. So, yeah, I think the, this is why I think we work so well together, Josh, because I think we're on the same page. Yeah. There's no, in 27 years of doing this, I can't think of one situation where I've prescribed rest to anybody. And that's right back when I first graduated, when my head was filled with, you know, from like osteopath school, physio school, um, my head was filled with, it's like you're frightened to death. I think that's why a lot of physios and chiropractors and osteopaths, because your head's filled with shit when you're at uni of all the catastrophic things that can happen if you do this and do that and do the other and you get sued and you get this. And actually, if you're trying to help somebody out and you're keeping them training, you're never gonna, you know, you're never gonna be in a situation where you're gonna lose in that in that situation. And in fact, you'll find that they'll progress much quicker. I had a guy who tore his hamstring two weeks before a big comp, um, and in two weeks, so he got, I think he pulled three forty, which is his opener, pulled his hamstring two weeks out from his comp. Two weeks later, he pulled his opener three forty before he flew out for his comp. So we rehabbed his hamstring exactly the same way you've talked about. He lowered his weight down and we basically did, um, we loaded his hamstring daily for two weeks and he lost no strength. You know, I think he ended up squatting that competition. I think he ended up squatting, he was a powerlifter. I think he squatted 400 kilos, pulled 380, you know, so clearly that hamstring wasn't, and it was a pretty significant injury. You know, the, it, it went, it, it was that, it felt that pop, there was bruising, there was swelling, and we just lowered things back. I, sh I shut the pants for a few days thinking, fuck, how are we going to get in fitting time? And we just literally just kept, kept him going, kept him moving, kept him working. Well, that, that's the thing, because in two weeks, you're not really going to get a detraining effect in terms of force production, are you? Like, if you do fuck all. Yeah. But, but what you are going to be able to make is significant progress in terms of resilience and, like you say, load tolerance. Absolutely. Um, yes. And it, and this is this is where I see a lot of people going wrong, going back from uh, going back from injuries and stuff. Is um, and this is what this is why why I think quite a lot of people will be getting injured at the minute. Going back to the gym, who've had time off during COVID or whatever, is because a lot of people like from a practical perspective and talking about people who similar to me who have an ego yeah. and fucking they don't want to go to the gym and lift. Um, lightweight or whatever necessarily they want to go back in a lot of people go big back into the gym after covid and take like the bench for example yeah. and they'll say, there are a lot of people with the attitude of oh i've lost all my gains i haven't benched for fucking 12 weeks or whatever they'll go into the gym realize that they can almost bench as much as they did 12 weeks ago so then the following week they go to try and progress like they do like they like they, like they like they would do normally because they they're surprised at how strong they are in terms of force production. But where I think people, and this is what I try to explain to people about taking the time and building up, is the fact that the strength in terms of force production and what they can lift 
is different. It won't, won't, it won't be affected too much, but the thing that will be affected from having 12 weeks off is their resilience, strength in terms of resilience and load tolerance and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, you lose strength very slowly. Um, I remember I, I did my back deadlifting about 10 years ago. I think I told you the story when I cycled across Britain. Do you remember I told you that in the last podcast? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't think so. So I'd, I'd worked up to, I think I was pulling about 200 kilos, a body weight of about, I think it was about 90 kilos at that point. Pulled my back, prolapse of this, I had sciatica, you know, all that usual shit. And um, I'd volunteered to take a group of students to ride from John O'Groats to Land's End. So we were supporting the riders that were doing this charity bike ride event. Now I'd got fucking raging sciatica, like I couldn't sleep, couldn't lie down, couldn't stand up, couldn't sit down for more than about five minutes in each position. But I'd also volunteered, not just take these students up to the riders from a massage perspective, but also volunteered to ride the fucking event. And I got loads of sponsorship. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna let these people down. So I got this coach at John Groats. It was a sleeper coach, thank God. So we just lay down on the bunk upstairs for eight hours while we drove up to John Groats. Got to John Groats. Walked out, the, t- out the, the, the coach and we're in fucking tents. It was like, it couldn't be any worse than this. I'm sleeping on the fucking cold, hard floor with a disc prolapse and fucking raging sciatica. First day, it was 99 miles around John O'Groats. I did the whole ride out the saddle because I couldn't sit in the saddle because my sciatica was so bad. Day two, I worked in the massage tent after that. So two to 10 massaging people bent over in that sort of hip hinge position. Day two, I did 130 miles around the Cairngorms, fucking out of the saddle most of the day. Um, Matt worked in the massage tent from two till 10. Woke up on day three and decided to be gone. Literally, like overnight, woke up, did that usual body scan that you do when you're injured. You wake up and kind of roll around and think, how does it feel today? Oh, it's not there. Got up, went to breakfast, sat down for fucking 20 minutes having breakfast, no leg pain. Sat in the seat all day on that bike ride, I did 130 miles in the saddle that day, and no leg pain whatsoever. And I think, had I not done that, and I'd sat at home maudling about how fucking bad my sciatica was, I think that would have lasted a lot longer. I think the fact that my body was forced into doing something to continue training actually expedited that process, actually like sped up that process. Now, you think about it from a physiological perspective. When you're exercising, you're increasing blood flow. What brings, uh, what produces collagen is oxygen. So if you're increasing blood flow, you get more oxygen to the tissues, therefore you get more collagen production. And maybe that was the reason why my disc healed, healed in three days. And I'd had literally three months of pain with this prior to that, you know, those three days on, on the bike. I'm not suggesting everybody rides from John O'Groats to Land's End, no, but it, but it kind of supports that, that it fits in with the theory of what we're saying about you've, you've loaded yourself up with 200 kilos in like a bit of spinal flexion. Yeah. And then you've gone for these like this intense period of zero load, well, very low load, but in spinal flexion, but for a shit ton of like volume essentially by, by, uh, by cycling and then being bent over in your massage and thing. Yeah. So everything I was doing should have made the disc injury worse. You know, you're in a bent over position, you're in a hip hinge position on the bike. You're treating people in that freaking hip hinge position for, for hours and ends. But I suppose the point is, 
being in that being in that flex position like are you actually because you're not because you're only on your bike are you actually in the, working in a safe load safe range there where you're actually getting yourself stronger yeah. in terms of resilience yeah. rather than, yeah you're you, you you're in pain because of your sciatica but you're not actually necessarily making it worse in that position yeah, yeah. and actually it could actually be making it better yeah which it did you know that's i in, in the 27 years i've been doing this I've never known a disc to recover like that, but I've also never known anybody to do something ridiculous like that at the same time. You know, I think that's extreme. But exactly as you said, I think the worst thing people can do is take time off. I think in, in, in yeah. almost every situation, unless your leg's fallen off, and even though I get you going into training with a leg, I think you, you've got to build that tissue resilience, that tissue tolerance, because that's the name of the game. Yeah. Strong, and that's what gets you free of injury. Yeah, what one of my um, what one of my longest term clients actually, and Andrew, she's absolutely brilliant. She's what well, she's she's like early sixties now, um, but she she came to me to to um, basically as um, when she was what six years ago, five years ago, whatever, and she was like it was like the last kind of to, just basically to learn some strength training because it was like the last roll of the dice before she was like two weeks away from having spine surgery yeah. like booked in for it. And, um, she said, um, cause she had, what is it? Prolapse and bulging L4 and L5 or whatever. Yeah. She was having this, uh, like tingly, tingly thing in her foot, um, sciatic symptoms, etc. And, um, we basically found just for, just through strength training that, it was like if she just goes into like she can completely tolerate flexion pain free she can rotate it was just that if she goes into like a couple of degrees of um hyperextension uh, like a uh, lumbar yeah. like she gets this uh, her foot goes numb basically yeah so as long as you kept her in neutral <laughs> that was it so th this is my this is my 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 approach as a by the way as a like a personal trainer or a strength coach, whatever you want to call me. And I was saying that I am not qualified as a physio, whatever she knows and she knew. And, uh, and I, I, my, my logic was that I said to her, I said, right, so if you're pain free, if you're pain free and you're not having any, you're only getting pain when you're going into that extension, like, does it, do you agree that it's logical to get you stronger and more skilled into resisting the uh, the chance and likelihood of you going into extension and she said yeah so we have just taught her every single movement pattern that we can do whilst preventing like lumbar hyperextension so squatting deadlifting pressing uh, single leg uh, rotating uh, pulling carries everything and uh, she could do every like with, with, with some of the stuff had to be assisted. Like she had to start off squatting where she was like holding herself up against the wall, but she could hit. Uh, if we found the basically the taught her how to control her, her ribs and her pelvis and stuff, mm -hmm. and she was pain free. And then if she got if she got carried away and she was like oh a couple of couple of week, couple of weeks without pain, and then she would she'd like have a have a have a bit of a flare up it would always be because she's let herself go into that extension and not kind of protected it and switched off. So she, after about whatever, six months, she sent me like a long email saying that she'd been uh, 
been canoeing in Canada and shit, and she's completely pain free from controlling. She look, it's just abs- absolutely magical. Um, but that's the beauty of working. And and, and, and I still tri- I still coach her every Friday now. And by the way, in the in the last what say in the last three years, she's she's gone on to compete in powerlifting. I think she's got a got a master's record in squat or something in BDFPA. Uh, she's done a strong woman comp. And all this stuff, pain-free. She still has the thing, though, where she has to manage going into that hyperextension, but she is so fucking strong yeah. and resilient that she's like, what is she's like squatted 95 kilos in a comp, and she's like, this is like somebody who has been recommended, pain-free, which yeah. is obviously the main, the main thing. Um, where, and she's been told that she needs surgery. And like, it, it's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I think the problem is, you know, you know yourself, back surgeries, the success rate of back surgery, I think it's about 40%. So 60% of the time, people wake up from surgery either the same or a bit worse. So it's the last bastion for me. You know, surgery is one of those things that you do if, the, if nothing else has worked and you've got that intractable, those intractable neurological symptoms that nothing has resolved or you've got some red flags. That's the only reasons I'll be sending people for surgery. By red flags, I mean things like you know pathology that's basically masquerading as back pain. So yeah, I've got a girl who's got a grade fifty percent spondylolisthesis. So a spondylolisthesis is a, a fracture at the back of the vertebra, and the vertebral body, the big part of the front, the front of the of the vertebra, slips forwards. Now fifty percent at surgery, and what we've done with her is exactly the same. I've taught her to brace. I've taught her to trunk, to hip flex, to hip hinge, keeping that brace position. And two years down the line, having been told that she'd have to have surgery in six weeks, she's still pain-free and not had to have surgery. And I think this, you know, if you've got, I think the caveat I'd say to all this, Josh, is you're a very forward-thinking coach, which is why I think we work well together. I think if you're, you know, as a listener listening to this, I think if you're going to attempt to do this stuff, you need to find somebody that understands the biomechanics and how to work around these things rather than trying to take it upon yourself to try and find workarounds and, and bits and pieces from there. Because, you know, you can, clearly you can, you, can, you can mess things up. But I think if you're working alongside somebody that understands the way the body moves, understands programming, has lots of different workarounds, then I think you've got a, a match made in heaven. Because you, like you said with your, your your client, you know, three years down the line, she's still she's powerlifting, she's strong, she's still. Yeah, yeah. So I'll add to that. Actually, I like I completely agree with that um, because um, that would only work of like say, oh yeah, well this thing about controlling extension and whatever, and then teaching how to push pull whatever teaching how to do all these different movement patterns like if i even even if i got like say a no a normal personal trainer or whatever to go and fr- do those things like i guaranteed that she'd be fucked up yeah she'd get, like she'd she'd get oh well, well uh, josh said that you can we can deadlift or yeah but it it, it like you say it's so important uh, yeah uh, we're, we're not we're not just saying to this to the listeners Go blase and oh yeah, just fuck ignore the pain and just get back into it. 
like we're saying, there is a way if yeah. if you if. So you have to like you and Shane understand movements, and you have to understand movement to be able to do this stuff. You have to program around the injury in a way that doesn't aggravate. You know, it's not a case like we just said. It's not a case of just carrying on deadlifting and squatting. You know, the stuff that I do with Shane and the stuff that I'll do with you in the future, I modify, you know, range or load, but it's Shane that programs those movements because Shane's the coach, Shane's the guy that works with these people. So I talk to Shane and I'll talk to you and tell him what I think. Yeah. The programming side of things is down to Shane. That's down to his understanding of movements. And, and like, I suppose, at our end, how, how we can be uh, good with that in terms of you might give your modification that you recommend and yeah. we might modify the modification. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, like using the example of, like, say, you the isometric wall sit and yeah. then I've taken that and I've made that specific. To, I, might, I might do a different one with a weightlifter yeah. who's wanting to... and. And not only the, 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 they're getting the analgesia effect of the knees, but they're improving the front rack position at the same time. Yeah. And, the, and the, 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 because they're working on imbalances, like I said about that balance towards my right yeah. side, that's improving. Yeah. That wouldn't have improved if... if so all... that saying, what's that saying? It's specific adaptations to impose demands, isn't it? It's the same principle. And I think the closer you can make your rehab movements replicate your actual movements, I think the better. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where these collabs work. You know, I think for me, I, I, I've never been, I think when you find some good coaches as a therapist, I think it's a, it's a match made in heaven because I understand injury, you understand movements. We put the two of us together and we've got, you know, you can find those, those specific workarounds. I say, well, they've got this, I don't want to do this. And you translate that into the movement patterns that they can do, and that's why it works so well. And I think that just, you know, just to reiterate that thing we said, we're not saying to people just to go fucking batshit on deadlifting and stuff, even if they've got back injuries. It's to get in touch with somebody that understands movement. Yeah, we're, we're basically saying, right, we'll use a, use a scenario, right? Somebody's fucking, sm somebody messages me saying, I've got glass back from deadlift, right? That could be a whole host of yeah. a, a diagnosis, couldn't it? It could be, it could, which I am not qualified to diagnose or, or experienced enough or knowledgeable enough to diagnose. Whereas the likelihood is that you, that you are, yeah. Yeah? and you're, and you're, you're going to say to that person, actually glass back from doing this, this or whatever, this assessment online or whatever, glass back is actually, this is what it is. It, yeah. Is it a tissue thing? Is it a spot? Is it a disc thing or whatever? You, you diagnose that. So then you say to this guy, right, well, we need to load hip extension or whatever. And then you come, they send them back to me and, and, that, and they say, right, well, I've got, a, I've got a disc issue. I need to be careful in whatever loading that pattern, but I've been recommended that I can do this, can do that pain-free. And then I, and I program and tell them what to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's specific. Specific to their goals, not only like kind of from a physical standpoint, but like we've said, actually, the, I can speak in their language as a lifter. Like I can say, well, really, we don't want to be doing that fucking boring shit. The the, the bandage <laughs> that, 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 that the physio said. Actually, we can do this. We can do this. That you're going to elicit the same response, yeah. but you're not. You're not working through this ten 
exercise shit. No, I'm not saying you do this, but like you see, see someone say, oh, I've got my physio exercises. Oh, and it's the list of fucking yeah. 12 most ridiculously complicated yeah. things that if you want to do all of those well. You're about to do in the gym. So, so practically what happens, like they try and do that most of the time though on one of the 12 exercises, they'll probably make the fucking injury worse because they're not controlling the movement properly rather than executing one really, really well. Yeah. So practically, what do they do? What does everybody do? They'll do it for a, they'll do it for a week or a couple of sessions and then they fuck it off because it's too complicated or not working. Oh, it's too boring because it doesn't replicate what it is they're doing in the gym. You know, I think that, like I say, my programming is actually very simple because all I do is keep them training. I just modify what they're doing. Yeah. So the movements don't change. We just find workarounds for the movements that don't necessarily aggravate. And I think that's the difference. So I, I live by this mantra that I've kind of stolen. I saw it written down a couple of, couple of years ago. But re rehab and training are the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just the the point where you are on the continuum. Yeah, the low end is potentially slightly, you know, you, you're, you're on the lower end of the, the RPE. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That is it. So we get injured and we still stay on, we don't have to go fucking, it's not this the way from this all or nothing thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think the, I think the biggest, this is where I think I, you know, I've been doing this a long time now and I think I'm, I'm ego, I'm less ego driven now than I used to be when I was a younger man. And I think a lot of the times physios don't want to collaborate with coaches because I think it, they feel like it takes something away from their kudos as the, as the experts. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm an expert in injuries, but I've done this for a long time. So I've seen most injuries and I've dealt with most injuries. Yeah, well, the word "expert" is relative, isn't it? And in the, in the in the relative to you are an expert, fact. Well, I know that in people like yourself and Shane, we have experts in movements who I can now tap into, and the ultimate goal is to keep your client training and keep them moving towards their you know whatever their goals are in terms of competition or body composition or whatever it might be. And that collaboration enables both of us to work more effectively and the client to get, you know, to reach their, their goals much more efficiently. And I think that's that analogy, I think, is what stops a lot of physio. I think that's probably why you found in the past that you've not found somebody that thinks the same way as you do, because everybody's very, therapists tend to be very protective over sharing information with coaches or with other people because they think somehow it's, someone's going to steal that idea and, you know, make it their own. And whereas it's, it's simple stuff. You know, I think rehab, like it's, you say, honestly, it, it, it's better, right? If I, if I can t like, instead of people pecking my heads, trying to diagnose, like trying to diagnose an injury that sometimes like a lot of the time I'll get it right from being experienced or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but, but really like, it's not my, I, I don't, I don't really want to think about it too much because it's not my fucking, it's not my profession. Yeah. And, uh, and I, like I don't want to get sued as well. So it'd be great if like I have this thing where it's like, these are the symptoms. Can I like, just go and go and speak to you. And then you say, yeah, well, it's probably going to be this, yeah. which you can go and try this for a couple of weeks. Like Josh will give you the variation within the program. Yeah. Um, see, see how it got, see how, see how we get on. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then you don't have to think of the kind of, well, this, this woman's a power lifter. This woman's, or oh, this, this strong woman, strong man's uh, or elite level. Like how are we going to mass up, manage his ego in terms of his training program? Mm. Is he going to do this stuff that I prescribe him? Do I need to give him something more macho? You don't even need to think about that because I, I'm doing that. Yeah. You're ashamed of doing that, aren't you? Yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, did, did, we, did we talk about the, the offer? So if you, if you work in the... Yeah, well, I'm, ju I'm just, trying to, just trying to find it. I know. Can, can, you, can you just speak about it? Yeah, so I think um, Josh and Shane and I, um, we, we will offer your clients, Josh and Shane, well, Shane's not here anymore, 10% uh, discount coming through you. There's a discount code that we will give Josh and obviously one for Shane. So if you come through you guys, we'll get 10%, and that's whether it's online or face-to-face, -face, um, off the treatment price or the rehab price. And essentially that that's your, you know, that's your kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah, that's the deal. So you get the benefit of our experience in terms of the injury management, or the injury you know, assessments, diagnosis and then you get that collaboration between ourselves so that we can essentially keep you training keep you progressing and keep you pushing towards those goals I think that was the upshot of the, the conversation we had wasn't it yeah and like for, for this collaboration for anybody listening like it like it's so organic and real in terms of um it's not like a thing where you've just turned around and said to me, oh yeah fancy you earning a bit of money on like I, I said to I messaged you saying mate my knees have been significantly better since doing the ice this is just random message really but significantly better since doing the ISOs when I feel pain I've squatted three times this week push presses wouldn't have been able to do it able to recover from that with before talking to you um blah 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 and then I think I think I was just feeling cheeky one night at home actually yeah, I think you were. And um, I, I deferred and I, I defaulted back to my missus because she makes all the uh, executive decisions, as all women do. I put, um, we like to think of ourselves that we wear the trousers in the relationship, but really we, we, we just, our wife's bitches, aren't we? Um, and what did, what did I say? Um, I put, glad we've net, net, networked, it's ideal. I put, we snap people, you fix them. Um, so that, that was a bit of a joke um, but, but I just basically said that I wanted like a referral partnership that were with um, that have been unimpressed consistently by rehab professionals um, like that I that I know of generally um, and I've been one, wanting some kind of funnel in my network where basically like clients say to me oh I've, I've got this thing that keeps flaring up or whatever and they, I just feel like a bit of a twat, really. Like, not saying, oh, go to physio X or physio or osteo X, Y, and Z. Because there's a reason why I'm, like, it may all, must also almost seem sometimes that I don't know because I don't know any of them. Whereas actually it's the opposite. It's because I know yeah. the broad array of people. And I just think that, that there isn't anybody that I'd recommend. Whereas actually since even last time or whatever, like, um, yeah, I, 
just just think it think it's absolutely brilliant. So basically, I'm saying that pe- people get injured. It, also, another thing is like I think the online service is just fucking absolutely remarkable. Like, I, I, like I. It was really funny because I mean we set this up as a we lockdown happened and we lost you know ninety percent of our place place business because we locked down and everybody else. And I sat there thinking, like, on the Saturday after we locked down on the Friday, I was like, fuck, well, I need to, I need to devise something to... Um, and I was as sceptical as I think a lot of people. I think there's, a lot, there's this misconception that you have to have hands-on to fix injuries. And actually, I think the hands-on is, is a... Hands-on is about pain modulation, and it's about getting people to move better and feeling a bit more confident to do those movements. It doesn't fix people. What fixes people is reloading it, getting strong. So we set this thing up. Um, I was really skeptical, despite the fact that I've you know I've spent 27 years rehabbing, and I've been really surprised by how effective. You know, we've had a couple of Shane's clients. One have got a hamstring injury he'd had for 18 months. Uh, in three weeks, we'd rehabbed it. No hands-on whatsoever. Um, I think he then prepped for a comp, which he finished third in, in about six weeks. And, you know, he was he was blown away. And we're now seeing people from, I had a client from Nairobi the other day, um, Norway, Australia, New Zealand, uh, two people from America I'm currently working with. So it's, and, and they're all improving. So I think the another overarching theme I want to get across to people is you don't need hands-on to fix your injuries and that's at risk of doing yourself out of business here but the genuine you know the 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 top and bottom of it is hands-on feels nice it reduces your pain a little bit but it's not what fixes you and then what it tells you that any therapist that tells you that I'm going to fix your hamstring injury or whatever it is that you've, you've injured with some massage and some cupping and all the other stuff that gets used is bullshitting what yeah. injuries is and really- I think for the, for the listener from you from a business perspective like I just I just need to I just think you need more confidence in your new system and the way that because it obviously it's a little bit different and in terms of the listeners who are getting injured like you just need to change your mindset completely from this uh, thing of getting injured going to see someone to look it up bollocks like if you, you you get injured Right, we get injured. You want a result. You want to not be injured. Yeah. yeah. And what you've got here is almost more valuable than going to see somebody because I've been thinking if I get injured, I'm thinking, fuck me, I need to go and book in with so and so. I need to work in work at a time slot that fits for him. I'm I'm so busy that I yeah. don't have time to go on a yeah. Friday afternoon at whatever time when he's got a slot and um and I have to travel into there and get parked. Like, just, just fuck it off. Whereas you can jump on a Zoom call. We have a consultation over Zoom. I get you to do some movements on the camera so I can see what the, the kind of... I start to load those tissues so I can see what's causing your problem. And from that, I tell you what's wrong. I devise your rehab plan. If I'm working with a coach, I include the coach into the rehab plan. So I, I do a little video for the coach to say, this is what it is. This is what I want them to do. This is what I want you to avoid trying to do. And then I'll leave the programming side of things to the coach because that's your, that's your bag, that's your expertise. 
you know, I understand enough about lifting to know how to modify things, but I think when you're working with, you know, good level coaches, I stay in lane. I'll let you do the, the, the you know, the programming side of things. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it has surprised me. I mean, I, like I say, I've, I've always been a, a manual therapist, always someone to put hands on. And um, so it was a change of paradigm for me. And I think the, for, for the listeners, I think they also require a change of paradigm. Because yeah. I think this misconception that you have to have your deep tissue work. You know, that's great for recovery. If you're going for a treatment because you want to recover from a training session, that's fine. Go and have your deep tissue massage and your copy and then your fucking whatever else. But if you want to get an injury better, cut out the middleman, get online, get your consultation done, and get back in the gym and start building your tissue resilience up and your tissue, you know, your load tolerance up because that's what's going to fix it. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's the, and it's this thing as well of finding a specialist specialist of which, um, yeah, that you might have you might have like. Um, you might, you might come across another rehab specialist local to you who has 27 years experience in the field or whatnot, but he doesn't know what a fucking deadlift is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or, he, or he doesn't know what, what, what's, what, what, what kind of goes through you, through you, or he doesn't know, or he just thinks you're a dickhead if you take steroids or whatever, or... Yeah, absolutely. Like... Yeah. Judging all time essentially because of your life choices. Yeah, it's not, it's not what you, that's not what this is about. You know, our job is to fix people, uh, or at least facilitate that fixing process. Yeah, and, and also to have that, like I've, I've been treated a couple of times over the years where I've thought, like, oh, I've got to really, really get on with this, really click or whatever. And then when it's come to the rehab part of the whatever yeah. the session, and then my attitude, my attitude has been right. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna say whatever. Whether I've been playing football, I'm gonna play football again tomorrow. Even though I've done fucking, I've like damaged my ankle or whatever. Uh, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna go running tomorrow. And then I've seen the alarm on their face, and I've seen the fact that, and then that's been my disconnect. If that makes sense. Whereas. Yeah. Uh, mismatch isn't there between like, yeah. what they're talking about and what they're actually exactly. talking about. Where, where, whereas I say to you right I fucking my shoulder's fallen off like my shoulder has fallen off like it's hanging off my arm but I am going to I'm going to train tomorrow I'm going to train dumbbell or something I'm going to train max dumbbell on my left my other side I'm saying to you try maybe you know like a sort of a, an Arnold type press or a close grip front press or a log press I'll be offering you alternatives to try and work out a way that you could shoulder press. Yeah, exactly. You and you certainly wouldn't be trying to talk me out of like you understand that it, maybe it's not that maybe you should actually have a couple of days, couple of days rest or whatever, and then we'll start rehabbing it. But the mindset of the athlete or the meathead like me yeah. is like, well, no, I'm going to fucking. I don't care that I'm in pain. I'm going to train. I'm going to train through it. I'm going to and and how how you can actually optimize that. And actually say, yeah, well, you you know you're going to train in pain anyway, but we're going to make the pain a three out of ten instead of a seven out of ten that you're just fucking masking with painkillers or whatnot. Yeah, and, and I, I think, think that's what a lot of guys can relate to who are listening to. From a perspective, but you know, I've I've competed in you know, like I say, as an endurance athlete, 
So I understand that mentality that, you know, when you're injured, you still go out training because it's fucking like, just, it's just part of what you do. So that mentality, that psychology, I get that completely, which is why I don't say to people, stop training. Because I know if someone said that to me, they'd be like, yeah, fuck off. I'm, I'm, I'm off. I'm not going to come back and see you again. I'm going to find somebody that tells me what I want to be at, which is, like, you know, stage peak training, essentially. So, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's, um, I think the collaboration with coaches, you know, I think for us moving forward, so I think this is going to work really well because I think we've, already with Shane, you know, we've got probably, I don't know, only eight to 10 clients and working with Shane, um, all getting better, all improving. And like I say, there's not been any hands-on work done. It's all been done in the gym, under load, with movements that replicate what they're going to do in the sport. So, so what's the best way to contact you? What is it through the website or through Instagram? Yeah, so we're probably either Instagram, if you DM us on Instagram, that's Mofo Body Mechanic. If you're not following us, why the fuck aren't you following us? Uh, um, or the website, which is mofobodymechanic.com. Uh, we just updating the website because it was a bit shit. We had it done a few years back um, and it doesn't really say what we want it to say. So we're changing the website around. Um, so probably Instagram um, is probably your best bet. You'll get us on there. And, and also as well on, on, his, uh, on the Instagram, there's um, for people who aren't injured, maybe you've just got an injury brewing or maybe like me, you're looking forward to getting injured so you can uh, <laughs> take him up. Take him, yeah, come, come and see me. No, I'm only kidding. Um, but you've... You've got some uh, great content on there that you're giving away for free, really, that I suppose there'll be quite a lot of people out there who will think, oh, well, they might have a dabble. They might look at your website and think, oh, oh how much does it cost? Or they might have that barrier in the way, but we might think, oh, well, can we try before we buy kind of thing? Go, go and apply some of the stuff that he gives away for free. That's exactly what I've done. Yeah. And, uh, and I hate. I, I despise people. I despise it when people ask for advice or they try and or they, they ask for advice and somebody offers their advice and then they don't go and implement it and then they still moan about the problem. So I've had I've had the thing with my knees or whatever that he's given me some advice and I've gone and gone and executed it and and honestly, mate, it's fucking it's life life changing. Yeah, it's, it's really life changing, and um, that that was that was a free advice. That was the so go and have a look on his um, on his uh, Instagram page, and there's there's loads of stuff on there for, that all uh, that can help you. Yeah, and I think that's you know I'm a big believer in I think my my our, our motto I think as far as the, the business is concerned, if we could get people to commit to moving better. And that's some of the stuff on the, on the Instagram account is about mobility, you know, for those people that are struggling with hip movements or ankle movements. I think you end up finding that you move better, you train better, and you get injured less. So the stuff that we put out for free is almost like your prehab. I'd, I'd like people to use that. Yeah, yeah. Because it potentially gets you moving better. And if you're moving better, you're lifting more, but you're lifting more efficiently. So that's the stuff that you do to, you know, to prevent yourself getting injured potentially. And it's obviously going to be those situations where you're lifting something, you know, you get those 
catastrophic accidents. But yeah, the free stuff is about prehab. And, and I'm, you know, we give us loads of stuff away because I'm committed to trying to improve the, I think the quality of education in this country um, from a strong man powerlifting. Yeah, I think America, you know, there's hundreds of people doing this, I think. And I think their streets ahead of us in terms of their application and, you know, um, understanding of like injuries and prehab. There's nobody doing this in this country. And that's why we yeah. do so much. I suppose, I suppose it's the, the bridge in the gap, isn't it? Yeah, between, it is. Between, it is. Um, yeah. Like who, who, who in America is good with that? Like, who do you We've got the people like uh, Eric Cressy. He's yeah, good. Eric Cressy is good from a shoulder point of view. He's very good. Yeah. Um, the guys like Kelly Sturettes, who's the. Oh, yeah. He's changed on his ready state now. So Kelly Sturette. And these are, you know, I think this is the same. This is the same in, in like, I teach physio at, at university. And you can see it in the education process, like the stuff that we're teaching to students. And this is probably part of the reason why you go and see therapists. And if they've not really, if they've not spent time in the trenches and upgraded those skills, we're, we're teaching stuff that, you know, is probably a little bit outdated. Yeah. Despite the facts that we're paid to read research, you know, we're driven by the CSP, so the guy, you know, the, the governing body for the professions who dictate the curriculum. And, you know, depending on your teaching team's experience, where experience lies, will depend on what kind of education you get. So if you've gone to a university which specializes in neurophysio, then you're going to be, you know, you're not going to get the MSK stuff that you're going to need or respiratory or whatever it might be. And I think that's partly the reason why there's such a diversity between you know, one physio, one therapist, and the other therapist because of the education process that we go through. Which yeah, yeah that. So, you, so they're going to like it's almost like you're going to going to the hospital and or you're going to the doctors and seeing a GP, aren't you? And yeah, and then pe people get frustrated because the GP doesn't fix them, but yeah. refers them to the a general practitioner. Whereas you're kind of the rehab specialist, but that's so broad. Like even though it seems specialist, it's so fucking broad, isn't it? No, whereas, whereas actually you're a rehab specialist for strength sports which yeah. is relevant towards guys yeah because i've spent you know the best part of that, that how many years have been doing this niching down to a sport that I, I love you know i think like i say i love the gym it's for me lifting is like one of those things that it just seems to cure all else and i think you know even in terms of things like you know la osteoarthritis if you think of those people, like your, your client, you had your 61-year-old client, another reason why she probably felt better was because she was loading the tissues. And cartilage, you know, articular cartilage, is a bit like a sponge. So on the ends of your bones, you've got this layer of cartilage that reduces uh, friction between the two ends of the bones. It's the weight-bearing components of the bone. And when it's not compressed, it degrades. So the first thing that most people tell people to do with osteoarthritis, which we all probably have to a greater or lesser extent, is go swimming, offload it. When in fact, what they should be doing is they should be loading it, progressively reloading it so that they, like a sponge, when you compress cartilage, it squeezes all the fluid out of the synovial fluid that gets rid of all the waste products out of cartilage. 
when the, the cartilage is dry, much like a dry sponge, it sucks fluid back into itself. So even in those situations where you've got, you know, degenerative joints, again, I think there's loading is probably one of the best things you can do under the guidance of a, you know, someone that understands movement. Brilliant. Yeah, I've got, I've got another, uh, another lady that I started coaching a year ago and she was, came to me, um, she's 60 years old and um, she just had a hip replacement like, what was it, like three or four weeks or something before. And she said, I've turned, uh, I'm six, I'm in my sixties. Uh, I've always gone to the gym. I want to be, I want to take up powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do, I want to do powerlifting. I want to learn how to bench and deadlift. Um, I can't squat. I won't ever be able to squat because of my hip replacement. I've been told I just don't have the range of motion, blah, 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 blah. So that, so I said, yeah, no problem, no problem. And in my head straight away, I was like, I'm going to get you squatting, definitely. So um, we, she, she has like, um, I got her to do like a goblet squat for a session. And, uh, and like she was, like obviously no, nowhere near depth or whatever. She just didn't have the hip flexion. Her ankle dorsiflexion was absolutely terrible as well. So we really, really worked on that dorsiflexion and patiently worked on the hip flexion and then got a confident with, um, without really telling her. I told her it was like a, de- a warm-up for a deadlift, really. Um, so it was just getting a push and a bench and a deadlift and then um, just improving her range of motion via these like goblet squat variations, basically, and ease it. Uh, isometric variations and whatnot and um anyway 12 months on now she's like um she's she's done like a couple of full meets she squat bench deadlift for a bench and deadlift are pretty good but if a meet a meet the goal was just to be able to squat the empty bar uh, about 25 kilos i think she did and she was just there to power lift in depth and and she she did it, and she got three white lights. Blah 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 blah. And then now, further down the line, like she she because she 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 was adamant. She was like, I'm never going to be able to squat, but I'm okay with that. I can push my bench and deadlift. And now she's like, what she like? She's 61 or 62. I think she squat squatted 75 for three the other day, and she's like 53 kilo. Wow. Yeah. Um, benched 57.5 paused like 110 sumo she can lift so she's been uh, she's she's really good she's been uh, I think she's got trials for um, like the international team for in British powerlift in one of the feds basically Um, that's what I'm going to do I'm going to wait till I'm 60 and I'm going to start powerlifting on strongman (laughs) and just progress straight into the masters categories bypass the uh, the actual yeah well that, that's what i'm doing actually i'm doing like um i'm doing an 11 year peak for uh streaming <laughs> masters that's what i'm doing honestly i'm gonna be a fucking animal, oh. animal. um right mate i th- thought that was absolutely brilliant uh, yeah. but, uh, i'm gonna leave it there because uh <laughs> it, it's got really late and um but but thank you. Well, uh, so for the listeners out there, just um, just me- message me because we'll have Mo Mo Fawn again because um, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, we'll plan we'll plan a date. He won't just invite himself on again. Bloody hell. Um, but yeah, 
people if people start messaging me and Shane with some ideas of what we can we can actually do like a bit of a I suppose a lesson or actually have like a topic that you can go in you can prep and you can go into a bit more depth with something that's really relevant to you guys basically yeah. uh, and you can almost use it as a little bit of a bit of a test bit of a t- bit of a test for him if you think that you you uh, you you kind of ears are pricking up when we're saying about go, going to use him for your injuries or whatever, but you just kind of want to build that layer of trust before you yeah, pay for the services or whatever. Um, oh, another thing I was going to ask you, like from what was of uh, a ho- host uh, like workshops and stuff at my at my gym. Like I think it'd be, be great to maybe no. do. I was almost about to say what we should do is get together for a workshop and do some kind of uh, lifting, mobility, kind of, you know, moving better workshop. Yeah, perfect. I'm thinking either the the last Sunday in either December or January for me, it'd have to be. Yeah, yeah. I've got some other workshops booked in. I'll get Mrs. Mofo to pencil it into the diary. You message her on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get like, um, we'll create something really... uh, really valuable for people yeah yeah that'd be really good um so so yeah the, the if, the, if there's get guys out there with uh, with injuries and niggles and stuff obviously get in contact with uh, with you yeah but also get in contact with me if you if you want a want the discount code and um we'll, we'll we'll sort something out but as you as you can if you've listened to the duration of this podcast you can see that um me being a skeptic and calling things out when that I don't believe in like I do consistently like I'm uh, very very impressed and it's not that and that's that's how this this thing or this partnership or whatever has been born is actually been through me being so impressed with something and actually I feel like if I didn't didn't sort something out with you like I'm actually doing a disservice to people who are in my network or in pe- like the amount of people that message me saying that I've got, uh, I'm managing this or I've got this nigger or whatever. Do you know anyone who, sh- who I should go and see? And I'm like, there's nobody who, who would actually recommend. Until yeah. now, thankfully. Until, until now, until now. Yeah. <laughs> As you say, there's, there's nobody I'd recommend, including Mofo. <laughs> oh, and I, 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 I just think, think, think it's brilliant. And, uh, and, we're gonna gonna help more more people. It'd be good. Yeah. But anyway, waffling shite now, so uh, we'll call it. So uh, thank you very much. You're welcome. Diddly dum dum. <laughs>